each one know who I am. I guess we're all two people. You called me here for this. The bat signal is not a beaver. Riddle me this. Riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black bat? Now, the real game begins. I will help you solve the greatest riddle of all. Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Mastunas. How is everybody doing today? I'm doing great. Feels good to be back, guys. Uh, man, took vacation. It was probably my best vacation I've ever had. Uh, did a lot of great, fun stuff. I'll talk about that a little later. But, you know, uh, it was just good just to get away from life and just everything. Just, you know, just have time with the family. And But it's good to be back, though. You know, in, in normal life, I guess you could say. I mean, of course, we would all love to be on vacation for the rest of our lives. But I'm glad to be back. And, uh, you know, in order to keep the schedule of getting to The Dark Knight Rises, I had to make sure that I got two episodes out to you by the end of this week. So tonight is Batman Forever. And then uh, probably tomorrow or Sunday, I'll be releasing Batman and Robin, finally, the one that we've been building up to. And, uh, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I really hope you have a, a really good time with the episode. I know that I did. And then, uh, and then the following week will be, uh, will be some, uh, some Batman Begins. And then, uh, and then we'll get to some Dark Knight. And then Dark Knight Rises after that. Now, uh, you're probably wondering if I've seen The Amazing Spider-Man. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't. What happened is the night I was supposed to go see it, which was actually July 4th on my day off. Because on my birthday, I got a coupon from my theater, which gave me free admission. The only thing you couldn't use it for was special events. And in their mind, special events is midnight showings. So I was going to use it for The Amazing Spider-Man. I called in advance to make sure I could use it. They were, said it was totally fine, but my wife got heat exhaustion. Uh, as you probably know, there's a huge heat wave going on right now, and uh, it's about 110, 112 degrees right now. It's, it's pretty bad. So yeah, I, I didn't get to watch it yet. Um, I did say that if I do watch it, I will throw that episode out to you. So I will keep you guys posted. If I do watch The Amazing Spider-Man, I will get an episode out to you as soon as I'm done with that. So got some cool things lined up for this episode. Uh, if you are in the STL Nation randomness group, you'll see that tonight, I announced a couple days ago, tonight was going to be the first annual STL Awards. And uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, what the award ceremony is going to be. But hopefully you'll dig it. I think it was pretty cool. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting there. But before we get into all that fun stuff, let's get into some movie and music news. Touchdown, I fall into your arms, right where I belong, you're ever 
Alright guys, now, just to give you a heads up, the uh, the next couple of episodes, this episode, uh, Batman and Robin's already been pre-recorded, so I'm not worried about that one, but uh, Batman Begins in the Dark Knight, uh, those episodes are going to be kind of low in regards to movie news because I got to try to stay off the web as much as possible because today, today is July 6th, uh, today is the day that the uh, Dark Knight Rises was screened in front of the critics. And uh, the rumor has it, from what I have seen today on Facebook, so again, take this as a rumor only. This has not been confirmed, but uh, I kind of believe it. But we shall see if it's in fact true that the critics gave The Dark Knight Rises a standing ovation and said that Christopher Nolan has done the impossible. So we will see if that's actually true. However, uh, due to the fact the critics have seen The Dark Knight Rises, you um, you know, they're supposed to be under contract where they're not allowed to say any quote-unquote spoilers of the film, but some douchebag always goes out of his way to uh, to you know to be the first to break the news. So just keep an eye out, guys, where you're going, what you know, what movie news sites you go to, because you might accidentally come across a humongous spoiler, aka the ending of The Dark Knight Rises, and you probably don't want to. So just so you know, I'm gonna try to avoid those sites as much as I can, and uh, the news is gonna be kind of low. So hopefully you're cool with that. Because uh, I got to be as careful as possible because I do not want this to get messed up. But uh, that's probably the biggest news is the fact of it did get screened today. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, has been getting really good reviews rating wise. People are saying it's the Batman Begins of the Amazing Spider-Man which is awesome. If you didn't know the sequel was already actually in development and is scheduled to be released in May 2014 and then they've also announced due to the success of the Amazing Spider-Man that they are in fact going to make it a trilogy which that was probably the intention but they wanted to uh, officially announced the fact that they are going to do a trilogy, which is cool. Uh, I've heard good things. I've heard great things. I, the only bad things I've heard is the fact that it's a rehash of like Sam Ra- the Sam Raimi stuff. However, there's a lot of there's there's enough differences in it that makes it its own film. And, it, and the biggest thing is is that it has a lot of heart. Is the thing that I hear the most, which is totally cool. So I'm excited for that. And uh, there's been some pretty cool Dark Knight Rises stuff. You know, you would think that the uh, TV spots would just kind of be the same ones. But today a new one just came out. And it's a, it's an IMAX one. And you have Bane actually saying uh, more uh, in this one, which was really cool. And the biggest thing that really got me was Bruce Wayne, which I believe this was actually in other trailers. But this one really stuck out to me where you could tell that he's screaming like someone just died in front of him. So, I mean, this is going to be a flat-out war movie. I really have no idea. Uh, I mean, if they, they could probably kill off the whole entire cast. I mean, that's how hardcore this movie is going to be. So I just can't wait. But there's been a lot of really cool promotional materials. We got a new IMAX poster, which I think that this poster, which I did post on the Sweep to Lake Facebook page, is probably my favorite of the posters that have come out. Uh, there's a lot of the banners that are way better than the posters, but as far as actual posters go, I do like the IMAX one better than the official Dark Knight Rises poster. It's really, really cool. And, uh, man, it's just some really good stuff coming out. They're getting really... They're getting us really pumped up, man. They're doing an excellent job. Uh, the uh, Nokia trailer for The Dark Knight Rises was actually attached to The Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, how, how smart do you have to be? 
to put your flipping trailer in front of the Avengers and Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, that's just that's awesome. So uh, the, the next logical smart choice for the WB to do is to put uh, the Man of Steel teaser trailer, whatever trailer it is they're going to do, and put it in front of the Dark Knight Rises. So uh, that that'll be some good times. Now, I did uh, watch 21 Jump Street. Uh, you know, I, I rented it uh, on my just a couple days ago. And, you know, I always have these issues with these remakes and stuff. But here's the cool thing with 21 Jump Street is the fact of it really does um, pay respect. Uh, or I should say it rewards the fans of the TV show. Like, I've never seen another you know, movie based on a TV show before. It was really, really cool. I mean, not to spoil anything, but it was really funny. I did enjoy it. I mean, they easily could have cut out a lot of swearing and sex jokes. It's not as bad as most of them, of most of these comedies have been, but it could have been toned down a little bit more. But all in all, though, I did enjoy it. I'm excited for a sequel that's uh, been greenlit. And then uh, if you are a fan of the show, which that was my favorite cop show, uh, it was so awesome. You do get rewarded a lot. It's very, very cool. So I do recommend you go rent that movie, check it out, and uh, hopefully you'll dig it. And uh, the last bit of news I wanted to touch on real quick was uh, Ghostbusters 3 uh, will have a new script. Um, Dan Aykroyd has hired some new writers to come on board and help rewrite the script. And, uh, you know, Aykroyd is kind of convinced that Bill Murray isn't going to sign on for a film. And he's kind of needed some new writers to come up with a storyline that doesn't feature Vinkman. But uh, maybe it's a case of uh, the script will be so good that Bill Murray will want to come aboard. Who knows? But the point is, new writers are coming attached to Ghostbusters 3. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited for it. I'm optimistic. And uh, and that's the that's the latest news for movies. So let's get into some quick music news. Alright, so in music news, not a whole lot of great stuff's going on. Uh, but I'm sure you guys have probably heard the Spice Girls. They've reunited. You know, I've seen some newer pictures. I was like, is that from old school? Or it looks kind of, you know, looks kind of new. But yeah, the Spice Girls have reunited. They're uh, they're doing a tour called the Viva London Musical. So if you were a fan of the Spice Girls, there you go. They're back and probably back with a vengeance. So now we got some new music coming our way. We got some Christina Aguilera. She's expected to release her first uh, single, you know, off of her new album. It's going to be hitting you in August. Uh, Madonna also is uh, part of the Billboard 2012 Mid-Year Music Awards. She currently has the most nominations over there. And then also Adele is pregnant with her first child with her boyfriend. So uh, congratulations, Adele. And I'm sure that your baby is going to write some pretty good songs. Now, you uh, Alicia Keys fans out there, you can uh, actually go check out. If you go to Billboard.com, they have a link up to where you can listen to Alicia Keys' uh, new track. It's called New Day. Uh, She's a good artist. I like her a lot. She's good stuff. And uh, she's got some new music headed your way. So go check that on out. Just go to Billboard.com and then uh, look for Alicia Keys, and then you'll get a link there where you can go check out the new album. And then also, uh, Linkin Park just came out with a new album. I got my hands on it. Uh, surprisingly, I haven't had time to check it out though, because when I was on vacation, I was just checking, you know, I had a lot of podcast episodes. I had like 19 sitting for me. So I've been trying to catch up on those, but I do have that album sitting for me. It was five bucks on Amazon. It was pretty flipping cool. I love it when new music comes out and then it's like really cheap 
uh, the digital copies. It's flipping a great way of selling your music, man. That's all I got to say. And then, of course, Katy Perry has a movie released. You know, it's very, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the whole musical, you know, like artists coming out with their own concert movies or whatever. Uh, there's a few that have done it, but there's not many. Uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about it. I haven't heard anything, but it was just kind of shocking to be like, oh, okay, at the theater today is Katy Perry's new movie. You know, it was just kind of weird. So if you've actually seen it, uh, give me an idea. You know, Truth or Dare from Madonna. That was something I had watched a while ago. Of course, there's U2 Rattle and Hum. It was kind of an old school music movie, you know, that kind of thing. So, guys, that's what I have this week for movie and music news. Like I said, I'm not going to have a whole lot. I'm trying to keep as much off of the internet as I can so as far as TV news goes uh, I'll save that for a little bit later I don't really have anything for you for today actually I take that back there is something very important that I need to talk about so uh, let's get into some real quick TV news you're too much TV that's what my mother tells me Alright, so in TV news, um, the only thing that I really needed to talk about, uh, there's some things happening in TV news, but the most important thing that happened is uh, Andy Griffith has passed away at age 86. Uh, Andy Griffith was uh, was a humongous, uh, you know, actor. Uh, he was a regular on the, uh, on the Ed Sullivan show in the 50s, but he's best known for starring in Andy Griffith's show, which... Uh, everybody knows the song that I obviously just played. That was from 1960 to 1968. Uh, he was also produced and starred in the TV show Matlock, which is probably what most of the younger generation would remember him from. And that was done from 1986 to 1995. And he also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2005 from uh, President George W. Bush. So uh, Andy Griffith was a great guy. Uh, and he was actually a really good gospel uh, singer as well. He released a couple gospel albums in his later years. So uh, he is definitely going to be missed. Uh, but the thing that, you know, I love, I've always loved this song. Uh, it's just simple. And from the moment you hear it, uh, you know it. And he will definitely be missed. And he's left a big legacy. And, uh, and there's nothing to say but great things about the guy. And, uh, you know, and all the TV news just. I wanted to pay tribute to him and not talk about anything else. And I'll just talk about TV stuff in the Batman Begins episode. So there you go, Andy Griffith. Uh, thanks for all the memories. Thanks for all the great TV stuff. You will be missed. So let's uh, let's get into the review of uh, Batman Forever. Riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black bat? In an uncertain world... In a chaotic time, justice wears a mask. (laughs) 
Vengeance was good. His was better. Love is a game. What is it about the wrong kind of man? It's the car, right? Chicks love the car. Power is a machine. Now you've devised a way to read men's minds. By the way, I've seen your mind. Freak. And revenge is a trap. We learned Two-Face to make a pretty lethal combination. Train me, let me be your partner. Who's your tailor? But first, let's meet our contestants. Going down? If the bat wants to play, we'll play! <laughs> Was that over the top? Don't worry too late. You forgot the part where you kiss the girl. The real game begins. Courage now. Truth. Always. Batman. Forever.
Batman Forever Time. So, after the last episode of uh, of the train wreck of Batman Returns, uh, comes a movie that, uh, in a way, is kind of like a soft reboot of the franchise. I mean, we have uh, we got a new director. We no longer have Tim Burton. Uh, Tim Burton is listed as the producer of this flick, and producer credit is really only because uh, they told him he didn't they didn't want him to come back. You know, they spent like a half hour just trying to convince him not to come back. They wanted to do a more friendly, a family-friendly version of Batman. So him agreeing not to do it is kind of how he got the whole producer's credit and just, you know, said, yeah, I like Joel Schumacher. It was the only director he met with, and that was kind of it. So really, that's kind of the story behind that. Um, there's There's a lot of cool... Uh, backstory on this film you know originally we had Marlon Waynes was supposed to be Robin and we had Billy D. Williams that was supposed to be Two-Face Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent in uh, Batman 89 and then Marlon Waynes was originally going to be in Batman Returns but he was fitted in costume but uh, he did actually get replaced by Chris O'Donnell and he still got paid for the fact of he was not in the film so you're probably wondering how do I feel about this film? Well, of course you know we got to get we got to get through this, but I will tell you that this movie is leaps and bounds better than Batman Returns. However, I mean it still has its problems. It's not the greatest Batman flick. I mean, no doubt about it. Batman 89 is the best of the original set of series of films. However, Batman Forever is the second best that you're gonna get out of the out of the first four films that was released. Now. To be fair, you do have to watch this in a certain state of mind in order to enjoy the film. I mean, if you are a big, humongous fan of Batman 89 and if you are actually a, you know, a fan of Batman Returns, when you watch this, it's like a baseball bat to your face. Like, hello, you got neon lights and bright colors. Now, this is not Batman and Robin. I mean, this is really a, a balance between uh, making it family-friendly but where adults can watch it as well versus Batman and Robin is just a complete cartoon. So that's really the humongous difference between Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which, of course, uh, in the next day, you'll be able to hear our take, me and Jason's take on Batman and Robin. But let's kind of get into uh, this film here. Uh, This movie came out in 1995. Now, Michael Keaton did want to come back, but due to the fact of, you know, Tim Burton really wasn't coming back and he kind of asked for more money than they wanted. They did replace him with Val Kilmer. Now, I remember as a kid, I was really, you know, after Batman Returns and from seeing all of the uh, the trailers of this film and most of all, uh, the music video, you know, the seal kiss from a rose, which if you didn't tell, 
uh, was what I played before this review started, was humongous, man. I mean, that song was everywhere. I couldn't turn on a radio without that song being on. And the video was on all the time. And it had excellent footage of the film so before I even saw this film I had the music video in my head and all the parts that I was just like man that looks sweet that looks great Uh, I was a humongous fan of Jim Carrey because in Living Color was hands down one of my all-time favorite shows at that time it was excellent Uh, you know Val Kilmer I was scared of because uh, I didn't really like him too much although real genius I thought it was great I was kind of afraid how is he going to do as being Batman I hated the fact that Robin was going to be in the film because I never liked Robin, although uh, I'll get into uh, my my feelings on Robin, how, how I've, as time has gone on, things have changed. But overall, I was just like, oh, that sucks. Robin's going to be in the film. And then I was like, okay, there's no Catwoman. So I had a lot of mixed emotions going into this. But then, uh, you know, there was a lot of really cool uh, Happy Meal glasses. Man, those were sweet. It was like two bucks. And of course, they didn't actually come in the Happy Meal, but you could buy these these glasses and uh, all different shapes and sizes, but they had like different images. One was a Riddler, Two-Face, Robin, Batman, blah, 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 blah. It was really, really cool. And then, of course, I saw the logo, which was the Riddler symbol with the bat symbol. I was like, man, that looks so good. So, you know, my my excitement level was really, really big on this film. But at the same time, due to Batman Returns, I was actually going in this knowing that it could fail you know and and as a kid that was kind of a big deal because you want to go in you know not having the movie suck or anything like that but uh the movie really uh starts off really good because of the fact of we get batman okay uh let's let's start off the fact here the first two movies you know tim burton was all about let's make batman mysterious and keep him out of the camera and let's focus on the villains this movie i mean you start off and you got batman in like the first two minutes now the credits i'll talk about in just a little bit but now the plot is pretty crazy i i will definitely say there's a lot of really good stuff going on in the film and then there's this ridiculous stupid uh plot line of brain waves and it's just dumb but i'll get into that in just a little bit but overall here's what happens in the film so batman is uh trying to save uh this dude this this security guard from two-faced Uh, Which, you know, that's how the movie starts off, which if you don't know, Two-Face is the alter ego of Harvey Dent, who's a district attorney. However, he's played in this film as the Joker and not as Two-Face. But again, we'll get into that in just a little bit. So, you know, the beginning is really action-packed. I mean, everything from uh, Batman being trapped in this safe... Uh, with with acid going on to trying to to figure out how to escape to Statue of Liberty blowing up. I mean, it's real crazy. While Batman and the security guard they're trapped in this, uh, you know, trapped in the the vault, uh, which of course is empty. But I told you it was filling up with acid. Batman uses the security guard's hearing aid, which is pretty cool. You know, it's using his detective skills, which of course gets them out. Now. Uh, Harvey actually kills the helicopter pilot, so that's what causes them to get in this big explosion into the Statue of Liberty. So then, uh, after this really big action sequence, we switch over to Wayne Enterprises, where we get introduced to Edward Nigma, who's played by Jim Carrey. 
and uh, he's developing this device which is to beam television directly to a person's brain so in other words it's 3d tv which we have 3d tv now there was no 3d tv back then but it's supposed to be more virtual reality 3d in a way so it's kind of a crazy concept now bruce wayne what he does is when he finds out how this invention works such as manipulating brain waves he rejects the invention and then of course edward enigma goes from you know idolizing bruce wayne to absolutely hating him because of the fact of he was rejected so nigma he actually tests his brainwave box as he calls it eventually out on his supervisor which of course uh kills him and then uh and then Edward Nigma is able to make it look like it was a suicide and he quits Wayne, you know, Wayne Enterprises so he can go and uh, do his, you know, get his revenge. Now, there's a, there's a lady who is introduced in the film as a Dr. Chase Meridian, who's played by Nicole Kidman. And uh, she has the absolute infatuation with Batman. Uh, she's really, really horny. I mean, every other word that comes out of her mouth is you know, let's do this, let's do that. But of course it's in a subtle way. So it goes over the head of kids. But if you're an adult watching this film, you're just like, holy crap, this girl needs to chill out. But needless to say, um, she is taken to this secure, uh, not security, this charity circus event, uh, because Bruce just really, really likes her. And he asked her out on a date and, uh, there, when they, when they go there, two face, of course, shows up uh, which, you know, we'll get into in a little bit how he just miraculously shows up. But which really, it kind of makes sense because it's a charity circus event. So, you know, rich people are there. So his thinking is, is that uh, somebody's got to be Batman, which is kind of why he crashes the place. But what does he end up doing? He, in in the madness, he's trying to discover Batman's secret identity. Only gives two minutes for it to be revealed. Otherwise, he's going to blow up the place with like TNT so you get introduced to the Flying Graysons, which is where uh, Chris O'Donnell plays Dick. And uh, they do a really cool, excellent scene of, of them trying to get rid of the bomb before it blows up. And then unfortunately, Two-Face starts to shoot their way up high on the roof trying to get rid of it. But of course, Dick is outside uh, trying to throw it in the water. However, his mom and dad and brother uh, had not gotten out in time. They get shot and they fall to their death. Now, uh, Dick is actually taken over to Wayne Manor from uh, Commissioner Gordon, you know, just saying that he has no one left, which he thinks would be a perfect match for him just to stay over at Bruce's because he knows that, you know, number one, he's rich and he's he's lonely as well. Uh, Dick declares to Bruce, though, that his intention is to kill Two-Face, get his vengeance on his family's murder. Uh, and, of course... Uh, he'll eventually find out Bruce's secret identity is Batman, and he insists that he wants to become his partner. Now, Bruce, of course, you know, throughout most of the film, he's going to turn him down. Um, and Alfred actually uh, comforts comfort Dick, uh, tries to relate to him, you know, on his desire to follow Bruce's path and just kind of give him some encouragement while he's going through the hard time. So Edward Nigma eventually becomes the Riddler. And uh, which, of course, uh, he's, uh, he's we'll get into the details with him, but he wants to align himself with Two-Face 
because if he does that, you know, Two Face can help, you know, essentially help him rob and get money so he can get his boxes into everybody's home. That way he can suck everybody's brain waves and get credit card numbers and that kind of thing. And then in return, uh, he will, in fact, give Batman's true identity. And uh, so, and, and of course, in the meantime, Bruce is actually getting riddles from Edward Nigma. But of course, Edward doesn't know that Bruce is Batman yet. So, this uh, by mass producing uh, the box, um, Edward actually becomes very popular. He has like his own business, like overnight. It's not explained, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, the unique side effect, though, as I said, is that while everybody's watching their you know 3D TV, he's getting all of their information. And supposedly, it's not supposed to make that person stupid. It kind of turns them into a zombie while they're watching TV. But they don't actually realize the effects of what happens. But Edward becomes smarter because he's taking everybody's knowledge. Really, is kind of how it's supposed to work. Now, at uh, Edward's big uh, party that, you know, his big business party that he's doing, you know, now that he's all powerful and everybody thinks he's the, everybody thinks he's great. Uh, then, uh, Edward actually finds out, uh, Bruce's secret identity because there's a trick that's actually pulled on him, uh, through Drew Barrymore, which uh, Bruce thinks that the machine is off, but in fact it gets turned back on. So therefore, uh, it reads his mind and then tells him that, uh, Bruce is Batman. Now, Two Face, Two Face actually shows up at the party, and uh, there's this big action scene where he just wants to bury Batman alive. Uh, it's a really good action scene, but of course, Dick shows up to save his life, which you know this is the first time Batman's ever had his life saved. And uh, of course, Dick is just saying, "Hey, I want to be Nightwing, Batboy. I need a name." Bruce is all about, "No, you can't be my partner," you know. And it's just this big confrontation between both of them. At one point, Bruce decides that you know he's going to give up being the Dark Knight because he wants to pursue his relationship with Chase. Uh, he wants to just tell everything to her. And uh, you know, Dick gets mad. He decides that he's going to leave. But Two-Face and Riddler actually break into Wayne Manor on Halloween, just as Bruce is about ready to tell Chase that he's Batman. Uh, The Riddler actually enters the Batcave, which was so heartbreaking as a kid. He destroys uh, everything. Uh, And then actually Two-Face does the most horrible scene ever in the Batman history, which we'll talk about when we get there. But uh, it eventually gets to the point where he shoots Bruce. It's like a bullet hits his head. And uh, in the cutscenes, I'll talk about what really happened. But in this one, he just wakes up, finds everything destroyed. And uh, he figures out who the Riddler was through all the riddles he's gotten. And he goes and checks out this prototype bat suit he has. And then uh, actually Dick comes back. And now he has the full-blown Robin costume. And they are going to go and infiltrate and go take care of the Riddler and Two-Face. Now, if you didn't guess, Chase Meridian was actually kidnapped by the Riddler, obviously. So that's another reason why they got to go after them. But uh, we get a really big epic uh ending where uh batman uses uh the new and improved batwing and robin uses uh like this boat which of course obviously bruce and uh dick have decided that they're going to be partners and uh you know and and dick's all about i can't promise i won't kill two-face and we'll get into that in just a little bit but they actually find out where the riddler's uh lair is and they separate when they actually get to the island uh, Robin will actually engage in a in a battle with Two Face, 
and almost killing him, but he does show mercy and, and actually aids Two-Face, but by doing so, causes him to be taken hostage. And now Batman actually gets uh, into the tower, which we'll talk about that scene because it's very confusing how he actually gets in, but again, we'll get to that in a minute. And then he realizes that uh, both Robin and Chase are held captive. They're bound and gagged in like this giant jar above this pit of water and metal spikes. Now the Riddler is telling Batman that he only has, uh, he can only save one of them because once he pushes the button, then they both uh, they both go down to their to their doom. Now he does actually stall the Riddler with giving him a riddle of his own, which of course is just to, to stall to give him the time that he needs. But Batman uses his uh, really big battering uh, to destroy the, the brainwave collecting device. And then it, of course, uh, reverses it, its effect on, on Edward. And then it, of course, sends him in this crazy mental breakdown. Now Batman is able to rescue both Robin and Chase uh, just in a nick of time again he only had five seconds but we'll get into that and then he does find two-face holding them up at gunpoint and uh two-face is going to use his coin because bruce had to remind him to use his coin but we'll get into that in just a little bit and then uh, batman uses a, a handful of silver dollars that he just happens to have uh in his utility belt flips him in midair two-face falls to his death or according to joel schumacher he may not be dead but we'll get into that and then the riddler is sent to arkham asylum and then he says he knows the true identity of batman chase goes there to find out for sure and then he claims he's batman and then uh you get a kiss with Bruce and uh, and and Chase, and she says, "Don't work too late," and that's kind of how the movie ends. Now, this movie had a budget of a hundred million dollars, and it was huge. It made three hundred and thirty-six million dollars. Uh, this was a humongous, gigantic uh, success, especially back in the day. Uh, it really reinvented the franchise. It was. Uh, it tried to be the best balance it could of being kid-friendly, but also having adults be able to watch the film which i think it did a good job i mean no doubt about it i have fun with this film even when i watched it again for this podcast all the same scenes that i've always enjoyed i i definitely enjoyed uh i was able to find uh you know the flaws that i that i knew about before just kind of annoy me even more now but all in all though uh the the reboot, the soft reboot, if you will, trying to keep it in the same continuation but kind of changing things up a little bit, I think did a good job. And uh, and overall, uh, let's talk about some of the details of the film, of, uh, of what I actually do like and the stuff that I really didn't like too much. All right, so we don't have uh, Tim Burton, we don't have Michael Keaton, and um, we don't have the Danny Elfman music. I mean, right off the bat, the movie starts off and it has its own theme music. Now, I like the theme music. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, of course, I would I would enjoy having the Elfman stuff, but I get the fact of why they changed it around. I don't have a problem with that. It kind of is reminiscent of the Elfman stuff. It doesn't suck. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's not iconic or great. I mean, you can you can hum the uh, the the Elfman stuff, but you really can't hum this theme. You you when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that's from Batman Forever. But it's not like it stands out to you. But if you notice the credits, to me, I was like, okay, it's ripping off Superman because you know Superman had those you know the kind of graphics and the names of the actors coming at you. Uh, like in a 3D style, but of course they kind of sped it up a little bit. But I overall, though, I, I do like it. It's just it reminds me way too much of Superman 
than uh, being its own thing. But all in all, though, I kind of do like the new credits that they have. Now, seeing Batman and Robin before I saw this, because remember, uh, Batman and Robin was recorded a couple weeks ago with Jason and, you know, was kind of filmed out of order. So my first instinct is to see butts. You know, nipples and butts. But I didn't get to see a butt, you know, and uh, and it was nice. It was just put on the gloves, put on the belt, put on the cape, and you were ready to rock and roll. So it was cool that I didn't actually see a butt shot uh, in the very beginning, which was cool. And uh, I know it's kind of funny to say something like that, but it's true. Now we get a new Batmobile. Now this Batmobile kind of, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people like this Batmobile. I mean, no doubt about it. This Batmobile is a million, million times better than the Batmobile we get in Batman and Robin. I mean, that that one sucks. This one is all right. It's kind of a reminiscent of trying to be like uh, the Burden Batmobile, but kind of have its own thing. It has the same... Uh, outline or I should say template of uh, the original Batmobile but by having such bigger wings and having the bat symbol on the wheels that are kind of bright I mean you can clearly tell it's a new Batmobile now let's talk about Two-Face so Two-Face here's the deal uh, the Two-Face that you see in the Dark Knight that's the correct Two-Face okay uh, you know Harvey Dent is this great lawyer uh, he's very passionate you know a white knight if you will and uh, in this one, he uh, he is the weakest of, of this film. I mean, it's kind of like this. You know, in the last movie, we had Penguin and Catwoman. Now, both of them uh, were was not done correctly as they should have been done. But uh, Michelle Pfeiffer did her own thing with uh, Catwoman, and, and I dug it. Same thing with this one. Uh, we have Two-Face, which is done completely wrong, just like Penguin was done. And then we have the Riddler, who is not done the way he should be done, but he's done his own way through Jim Carrey, which it works. So it's kind of the same thing. So, for example, with Two-Face, uh, he has a pink face. I mean, no burn victim that I've ever seen has a pink face. But, of course... Uh, you have to keep this in mind that this is supposed to be family friendly. So you can't just have him with his flesh falling off his face in a hole. Needless to say, just look at uh, the Dark Knight, Harvey Dent, Two-Face, and you'll you'll see where I'm going with that. It's not a pink face and he's got holes all over his face and everything. It's just real nasty and disgusting looking. So for the sake of the kids, that's fine that his face is pink. Now, I, I'm a huge fan of Tommy Lee Jones, and, you know, I think he did all right. I mean, he was really channel, channeling the Joker uh, because Two-Face shouldn't be like this. He should kind of, number one, he's he's like a gangster almost. I mean, he's very, you know, in charge, take charge. Um, he He's very angry. And uh, he doesn't joke around whatsoever. He's all about his gun and and his coin. His coin is his personality. I mean, he doesn't do anything without flipping the coin. He wants to do a decision, he flips the coin. You know, if he wants to eat a burger, he flips the coin to see which burger he's going to get. You know, if he's going to take a leak, he's got to flip the coin to find out what time he's going to take the leak. I mean, you kind of get what I'm going here. He doesn't do anything without flipping the coin. This guy in this movie just 
totally does it wrong. I mean, perfect example, which I know I'm skipping ahead, but when he's in Wayne Manor and he's just sitting there and he's just flipping the coin waiting for it to go to you know, the, the, the side he wants is not part of the character. He should flip it once, whatever the decision is, goes with it and waits the next day to do something else. That's all I'm saying. You know, it was done completely wrong. It's the worst scene in all of Batman movie history is the fact of him sitting there flipping the coin waiting for it to be the, the deaf side or the side that has his, the faces all cut up so then he could shoot Bruce Wayne. He just wasn't happy with it. And that's not the character. I mean, arguably, it's the worst scene of the Batman earlier films. But, you know, it's just very, very annoying. But, but you know, when Tommy Lee Jones is kind of by himself or kind of serious, uh, I like it. Uh, it's not a whole lot that it happens. Uh, his best performance as Two Face is when he's in his in, in his place and Riddler crashes. That's the best performance of Two Face. But essentially, you're dealing with the Joker here. Is kind of what you're getting with Two Face. You're not really getting the Two Face character. So uh, when we're introduced to Chase, you know, I was never a big fan of Nicole Kidman. I really dug her in uh, Days of Thunder, but that was really the only movie I really liked her in. But uh, I I became a fan of her after this movie. Uh, you know, she, even as a kid watching this, I knew she was really sexed up and uh, I kind of got some of the dialogue she was saying, especially when they start to play the real small, low key saxophone music in the background when she's talking to Batman. So, you know, her character, uh, she definitely, um, she's, I guess you're either going to like her or you're going to hate her. I like her. Um, I think I actually like her more than Vicky Vale. I think she is actually my favorite uh, of the of the characters, I mean, no doubt about it. Selena Kyle is is awesome, but she's not tortured. You know, Chase is your, you know, she's kind of your girl next door in a way. I don't know. I just dig her. I mean, maybe it's the chemistry between her and Val Kilmer. They do really good. Uh, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I love Selena Kyle, but in all reality, she's a tortured soul. And and Chase is not. So therefore, she balances out Bruce and brings out the better side of Bruce, which is why I think I really dig her character. So uh, then we get to see Val Kilmer as Batman. Now, keep in mind, you know, the movie starts off with, with Batman, which is flipping cool. And then you see him in the Batmobile. But... Uh, when you're seeing Chase for the first time and you get to see him talk, this is when I was in the theater and I mean, I was examining him from, you know, every part of his mask to the way his eyes look to the way he speaks. I mean, I was really hard on him and uh, I would say within the first six or seven minutes of the footage of him as Batman, after he starts to talk to Chase, I was like, you know what? I think I could go with Val Kilmer as Batman. Uh, you know, he's a, he's different than Keaton, but I could go along with it. And most of all, I was just happy that I was getting Batman for once. I wasn't getting the villains. I was actually getting Batman. Now, arguably it's hard to say where you get more Batman. I mean, in Batman begins, I mean, he doesn't show up for the first hour, but you care about Bruce Wayne. And in The Dark Knight, maybe you have more screen time of Batman than you do in Batman Forever. But uh, the, the the beautiful thing is the fact that he's not uh, a secret hiding character and it only focuses on the villains. 
I think that's one of the biggest reasons why this was such a success is the fact that you actually got to see Batman. You got to see his cool toys. You you actually got to see him uh, be out and about and stuff. So it, that's why I think uh, it was a nice change from the first two Batman films. Uh, Batman didn't have to be dark and mysterious. He was able just to be the Batman that, that we know. So I think, uh, I, I think Val Kilmer did a good job. I mean, I would say... As far as the best Batmans go, it's no doubt about it, Christian Bale, because he's just the full package when it comes to that. But I would say my number two would be Keaton, and the number three would be uh, would be Val Kilmer. I mean, it's possible Kilmer was a little bit better as Batman, but I'm on the fence with that. It really depends. I mean, I could be watching Batman '89, like yeah, he's he's better than Kilmer, and then I can be watching certain scenes in this film and be like, yeah, he's better than Keaton. So I'm kind of on the fence. I can't give you a definitive answer of which Batman is better. As far as Bruce Wayne goes, uh, you know, Kilmer is kind of. Uh, he doesn't change his voice at all when he's Bruce Wayne or Batman. Just maybe a tad bit. But overall, though, I mean, I don't, I can't really say he's like wooden per se, because there are things that he does that I really do enjoy in certain conversations. So uh, I would say I do, I do think Michael Keaton's the better Bruce Wayne, but Val Kilmer isn't that far off. Uh, he's probably a better Batman than he is Bruce Wayne, but he doesn't suck in either department. I'd say he's probably about a, a eight and a half nine as Batman, and maybe a seven seven and a half as Bruce Wayne. This kind of overall how I would kind of rate uh, Bruce and, and Batman in this one. So uh, so then uh, I like well the scene that I like but I hate at the same time is. Uh, well, actually, before I talk about the the safe, we should talk about uh, one of the most important things that happened. Uh, there's this dude that's running at Batman, and uh, he almost falls off to his death. And what does Batman do? Yep, he kills him like he did in the first two. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, he catches the guy before he falls to his death and then throws him into another guy while he's being electrocuted. Uh, so... I guess they're trying to, to make things, they're make their rights wrong or make their wrongs that they did in the two movies. They're trying to make it right, which I'll get into a couple other scenes that kind of tell me that. But right off the bat, I noticed that he saved a dude from falling to his death instead of letting him go and die. So that was cool. But uh, the hearing aid, I like the fact that he uses the guy's hearing aid to uh, to listen in. I thought it was like, hey, cool. You get to see Batman detective skills. But here's a scene that's stupid. And I just, I hate it. But again, it's for the kids. And that's where he's able to calculate exactly where he has to cut the chain. So that way it falls right back into the hole when, when the chain is cut and the save goes right back where it was cut. It was just dumb. I, I get it looks cool. But realistically, that could never happen. But I guess this is supposed to be way beyond uh, hyper reality. But I just like every time I see that, I just roll my eyes, which, of course, Batman and Robin goes way over the top uh, on every scene. But this is one of the few scenes where I'm just like, oh, OK, you went a little bit too far there, but it was supposed to, I guess, look cool. 
Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but when Batman is actually on the helicopter and he's trying to get to Two-Face, the scene where uh, he, where Batman headbutts, where he punches through the glass and then he headbutts the, through the rest, it actually took Val Kilmer 11 takes to do that. He said he had a splitting headache on every single take. Uh, and that's something I remember watching the special on was 11 takes. I'll never forget that. Now, uh, when uh, Harvey puts the club on the helicopter, I thought that was funny because, you know, back in the day uh, when I lived in Chicago, that's kind of how you protected your car was you put the club on the steering wheel and no dude could ever steal your car. I remember my dad telling me a couple stories where he could look outside the window and see that some, you know, because they used to have an 85 Oldsmobile. And back then that was one of the most stolen cars back in the day. And uh, he would just notice people walk by, and once he saw the club just staying on the steering wheel, in fact, there were sometimes he didn't even lock it, but it would actually have people turn the other way. So, uh, so I had good memories when I saw the club uh, in that scene. I thought it was good stuff. Now, Edward Nigma. So this guy, the Riddler is uh, one of my favorite villains, and the Riddler is very. He's a big douchebag is what the Riddler is. Uh, he's very – he thinks he's better than everybody else, uh, most of all Bruce Wayne. I mean his whole infatuation is to be uh, cold, calculating, and to outdo and outclass uh, Batman, uh, always thinking he's better. A uh, perfect example of this is if you play the Batman Arkham City games. Uh, I mean he's actually – he takes – people hostage and he puts them in like a saw situation where you have to figure out the riddle to save a person's life and if you don't they'll either get cut up by a saw or they'll get killed or you know their body parts lasered off or whatever i mean it's pretty intense stuff and it takes a lot of work especially in that game to be able to save all the hostages but one thing riddler is is he's all about insulting batman you know whenever he would figure out a riddle he would just insult him and just say gee you know my little pet uh, rat could have figured that one out it sure took you long enough you know that's just the way he is he's not some comedian like Jim Carrey played him he's just very he's very smart uh, but he's not like Bane in regards to Bane is like probably the best foe of Batman because he's just as smart as Batman but he's just he's just brutal he's just a brutal killer Riddler is one of those dudes that uh, would probably kill somebody, but it wouldn't be by his own hand. It would be about some in, some trap he set, and he just sit back and watches it. He never actually take a gun and pull the trigger. Unlike the Joker, he would just create a death trap, stick somebody in it. He's he's like Jigsaw, where he thinks he's doing the the good of somebody by killing them. I mean, that's kind of how the Riddler is. So, needless to say, Jim Carrey takes the Riddler to a whole new level. But I dig it though, you know. Just like Michelle Pfeiffer took Catwoman to, uh, you know, her own thing, Jim Carrey does the same thing here. Good stuff. I mean, he's he's one of the biggest highlights of the film. And and here's the thing: why I why this is probably one of my favorite performances of Jim Carrey because at this point, you know, we had In Living Color, we had The Mask, Ace Ventura, never got to see him get serious. This was the first movie to ever showcase. Uh, like the evilness, like when he uh, all of a sudden will have a big smile and then his face will get nasty and he'll be like, now 
the real game begins. You know, it's just like, oh, so good. You know, the whole, uh, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to need an answer right now. That's not good enough for me. You know, you are supposed to understand. I'll make you understand. I mean, we got to see a dark side of Jim Carrey. And I loved it, man. When I was in the theater, I was like, woo, woo. I was like, I get to see a dark side of Jim Carrey. This is awesome. So when he went dark side in like his other movies, you know, when, when he went all serious, I was like, man, he did that in Batman forever. I'm like, so it was nothing new to me. I mean, this was the movie that I saw the 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 fuse lit and he just exploded when he decided to do some serious stuff. So Jim Carrey for the win uh, as as his own version of the Riddler. Good stuff. Now, uh, Ed Bailey Jr., I never liked this guy. I've never liked this guy. I actually hear in real life he's just a complete, total jerk to everybody. He's very hard to work with. Uh, I mean, I've just heard such horrible things about this guy. And personal life, you know, whatever behind, you know, Actor-wise, just I just don't like the guy. Period. And anything I've ever seen him in, uh, I guess he does okay as the boss. But I mean, he's such a jerk as he always is in every performance. That when he does get killed, it's kind of like okay, no big deal. So now uh, we get to see Bruce uh, kind of go into his office and go down. You know, he's like chair, and then you see him do like this uh, running man style where you know they're going super fast to get to the location and he's in like this pod and you see the miles per hour are above 200 miles per hour so my thinking is is that it's just taking him from wayne enterprises through uh you know like the sewer system if you will of of gotham to take him to uh wayne manor to go to the back cave so i like that scene it was good stuff i mean you hadn't seen that before uh, in the other two Batman films. I mean, in this one, they really make Batman like the gadget guy. You know, they show you all of his cool toys. They tease you with Batman's toys in the Burden film. But in this one, they go all out and they show you that, hey, Batman's Batman's pretty cool. He's got, you know, he's got the stuff that you want and, and that the kids want. So they, I think they did a really good job in showing you all of the cool stuff that Batman has that they kind of teased you a little bit with the first two movies. Now, uh, the first two movies were kind of like timeless where it had its own thing where it kind of looked like you were in the gangster era, but it was also current. Well, they in this one, they actually say a line that was very current at the times, which was beepers. Beepers, you know, before we really had cell phones, they were a way of, uh, you know, you call a number and then it, it calls the beeper, it like beeps at you and then you go to a payphone and then you call the number and you find it's kind of like early voicemail, if you will. Uh, just you couldn't leave a message, but you call the final who beeped you. And I like it when Batman says, you know, the bat signal is not a beeper. So that immediately had taken it out of the whole quote unquote timelessness and kind of put it in a more modern day. And I don't know if they meant to do that on purpose. It doesn't affect anything, but I just kind of noticed that, especially when I first seen the movie, I was like, hey, it's cool. Batman's talking about a beeper. Now, it is cool that uh, they do bring back Catwoman, you know, because. Uh, Vicky Vale was mentioned with Selena and, uh, and with Chase, she's like, do I need to wear skin tight vinyl and a whip? 
And then Bruce, you know, Batman says, I've never had good luck with women. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Jason, Chase is probably my favorite. And the fact of a Batman and Robin, they just totally get rid of her. Just always irritated and made me upset. So, to me... I think it would have been great if the movie had ended on Batman, Batman Forever, and never had Batman and Robin. But it's just, it's just so annoying. But uh, you know, it's kind of cool that they do bring up Catwoman just to kind of let you know that hey, uh, the last movie in fact did happen, even though we're doing our own thing. Now, uh, when we see Edward having his boss all locked up, uh, you know, part of the the evilness starts to come out. Where he's like, caffeine will kill ya, you know, and he talks about how, no, I don't think so. When he says that he's fired and you immediately see his jokiness stop. And this is like where you get the real first serious look of, oh, no, I don't think so. And then we get kind of the funny line of, you're terminated and lets him go and he dies. It, uh, it's just, I really enjoy Jim Carrey uh, when he's just real nasty uh, instead of trying to be over the top funny. Now, I really hate this scene uh, where they tried to, you know, Bruce Wayne's watching TV and they're and they're kind of telling you about Harvey Dent. And it's like they show you Batman uh, jumping over to try to save Harvey. It's like, okay, Batman, why is he out in the daytime? And why is he just sitting in a court watching this trial? And then Paper just miraculously saves his other side of his face because acid doesn't eat through paper, as we all know. It's it's special acid-proof paper. It's just dumb. I hate it. Oh, I hate it, hate it, hate it. I just hate that scene. It's just so bad. Uh, I mean, they should have just left it alone and not try to, you know, they come up with a better story than have in court some dude throws acid that, yeah, you easily could have had acid, you know, seated with you, you know, while you're giving testimony or whatever it is you're doing. And Batman is in daytime just chilling out in the court. It's, oh, it's just dumb. I, I hate that scene. Now, one cool thing that Bruce does is, uh, they tell you that it's suicide, that uh, Edward's boss killed himself. But Bruce doesn't really think so. And I like how he says, you know, full benefits for the family. And then his, his um, you know, his helper or his secretary, whatever, they don't get into it. But she just says, you know, company policy, we don't give benefits to people that commit suicide. And he goes, I know, but give them full benefits anyways. It was nice to see Bruce Wayne. You know, you get to see another side of Bruce Wayne. You get to see the caring side of Bruce Wayne. And like the first two movies, you really didn't get to see that. You get to see a, a, a more compassionate side of Bruce Wayne uh, in that scene. Good stuff. I really enjoy that. It's kind of you kind of miss it if you aren't really listening to what's going on. If you're just kind of you know not really paying attention, you'll miss it. But it's a really good scene that gives you a different side of Bruce Wayne. So that was really good. Now uh, when Edward goes to his house, they got this real funky music playing, and I gotta say I love the soundtrack to this film. But this song has always been weird, and where it talks about. You hate your boss at your job, but in your dreams, you could blow his head off. I'm just like, what? You know, the first time I didn't catch it when I was in the theater, it wasn't until it hit home video that I heard that. I was like, oh my gosh, did they seriously just say that? You know, for a movie that's trying to be quote unquote a family friendly film, having a song like that is just kind of... I don't know. I can't say it's wrong. It's just kind of weird. You know what I mean? Uh, it's 
funny though. Every time I hear that, I just crack up. Even though I know it's coming, just whenever I hear that line, you know, you could blow his head off in your dreams. You can do anything. It's just so ridiculous. But, you know, at least we know where the Riddler got his costume from. You know, in these movies, they never show you how they made up their, their costume. It's just they they just have it. But at least the Riddler, it was on his dummy that he had. He just took the hat off and his suit and bam, he had the Riddler outfit. So, I mean, at least that was it wasn't explained in a way but it was because you were like oh okay that's the riddler outfit now how many of you guys noticed the big error in the film uh that's when bruce goes to see chase and he thinks that she's getting you know she starts making all these noises because of course she's just boxing you know and she's just hitting the punching bag but he thinks she's in trouble and he breaks the door down and when he says he's bruce wayne and she goes good you can afford to buy me a new door and he says i'm sorry he starts to talk but no words come out of his mouth. It's like, okay, I wish I knew how to read lips because I really want to know what he says during that scene. It's just so funny. I'm like, it's such humongous air that they totally did not edit out. All right, so let's get the Dick Grayson. So Chase and Bruce go to the circus. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, I was never a fan of Robin just because of the TV series. I always thought that he was just always... Uh, I don't know. I just never liked the guy. I always wanted it to be Batman without Robin. Uh, however, my attitude changed on Robin when Robin got his own comic and they changed his R symbol. Uh, his R symbol is the way it looks in this film. Uh, and also, if you watch the Dark Knight Rises trailer, uh, during the football scene, there's somebody holding this, um, like the Rogue Warriors, whatever the name of the team is. Uh, the first letter is R, which is the exact symbol written as the r symbol for robin but uh, i really enjoyed that comic i don't know i the first the front cover was so cool i was like okay i gotta check this out and it was just so good and at that point my attitude had changed towards robin so i was kind of skeptical with him being in this film but chris o'donnell was awesome i mean he was really good i like the fact that they don't have the a little boy because you know there, there's that whole quote-unquote gay Batman and Robin thing that's, you know, always joked about, whatever. But I like this. You know, he's like in his 20s. It's good stuff. I mean, he's able to, uh, he's got martial arts training. And uh, I just, I really enjoy Chris O'Donnell. Did a really good job. I've been a fan of Chris O'Donnell ever since I saw him in Batman Forever. And uh, and I liked Robin after I watched this movie. I was like, you know what? He's He was cool. His suit, you know, I, I did enjoy the fact of for the first part of the movie, uh, he had his circus suit, which was the like the how it looked in the TV show and the comics. So that was kind of cool. But then when he gets his full-blown armor and he looks exactly like the way he does in the comic with like the, the red, uh, like the red top. And then his cape is like yellow and black and like red and with the R. It was just he looks so sweet. Uh, good stuff. So I, I really thought I was going to hate Chris O'Donnell as Robin. I really thought I was going to hate Robin in this. But I think what really helps is the fact of they make him just like Bruce where he loses his family and uh, his he's on a guidance to uh, to, to murder and, uh, and and let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. So the last two movies I've been complaining about the whole Batman killing thing. So here's what's funny about this film. Bruce sits there and tells Dick that you, you know, you don't want to kill Harvey. 
because it will make you feel worse and then you'll go out and then you'll realize one day that revenge has become your whole entire life. So they are trying to right the wrong by admitting the fact that Batman has killed the past two movies, especially killing the Joker. And that it hasn't made him better. In fact, it's probably made him worse. And he's trying to help Dick not go down the road that he did. So I I do like the fact of they are, you know, number one, Batman doesn't kill in this film. I mean, we can argue about the ending sequence with him and Two-Face, but overall... Batman doesn't kill in this film, which is awesome. They they fixed that problem that happened in the last two films. Again, it's supposed to be family friendly, but it's nice to know that Batman doesn't kill in this one. And uh, and I like the fact of he's trying to convince Dick, and 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 it's just it works. These two work together. Uh, one of the best scenes for sure that really works, especially you know when I realized that you know Val Kilmer was doing a good job as Bruce Wayne is when Dick wants to leave. And he tries to, you know, convince him not to leave. But he also sees that he wants to do his own path. And he convinces him to come out to the garage and get gas. And then he convinces Alfred to bring him food. And he, I just like the way he's just like, yeah, you know, uh, if one if somebody would fix this, they can keep it as a fee. We'll have a good day, you know, and just, and just leaves. It, I like that whole chemistry. It was good stuff. So all in all... I really did Chris O'Donnell as Robin, even though I thought I would totally hate him. Uh, I still, any day of the week, would take a Batman solo movie than have a Robin in it. But for this movie, it works for me. Uh, I became a fan of Robin after this movie. Of course, I hated Robin once I watched Batman and Robin. But for this film, it works really well. I really enjoy it. So one of the problems I had with the whole circus thing was, you know, uh, Harvey's all like, you know, admit that you're Batman. You know, you got two minutes. And then you hear Bruce screaming out, you know, Harvey, I'm Batman. Okay, if my wife was next to me and she's screaming into the audience, I'm going to hear what she's saying. So how is it Chase next to Bruce didn't hear him say, Harvey, I'm Batman. But then she leaves him, she sees him leave and just says, Bruce. I mean, it was just, I don't know if she was just in shock or uh, she wasn't paying attention, but a person next to me screaming, I'm going to hear them. So I just always found that scene to be kind of annoying. I like the fact that Bruce was willing to give up his identity right then and there, but I'm just like, seriously, Chase was next to you. How could she not have heard that? Now, uh, one thing I do really enjoy that dick does uh is he's immediately got chemistry with alfred because he calls him al uh for the next this movie and the next one he always refers to him as al right off the bat you know take it easy al i i like that because it's it, it it's respectful but by shortening up his name and it's like he immediately has a, a friendship with him and i i don't know just i always read into that that the moment that he calls him al was just kind of cool because everybody always calls him alfred but but dick is the only one to call him al and it's just i don't know it worked for me i thought it was a good way of showing that uh, he really likes alfred and respects him and that they have a good relationship together Okay, so there's kind of a confusing thing. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there was actually a couple deleted scenes in this film. Uh, There was actually 10 minutes of plot that was actually taken out. Uh, There's a scene where Bruce talks about how I killed them, you know, and Alfred says, what? What'd you say? You said, 
you know, he killed him. Two-Face killed his parents. He goes, no, sir, you said I killed him. Well, if during the movie, there's going to be flashbacks where Bruce kind of has like this big book. And at one point, you'll actually see him carrying a book, uh, in which you find out is his dad's journal. Well, in, in the deleted scenes or deleted cuts, uh, his dad had always wrote in that book. And when he looked on the last page, it said, we really wanted to stay home, but uh, we... But unfortunately, we have to take Bruce to go see this cartoon. So he felt responsible, and that's why he had that big book and he was crying, why he blames himself for the fact of his parents died. So that's why he says, I killed them in that scene, which would make sense if that scene was still in the film. So I just kind of wanted to clear that whole scene up just a little bit for you. So. Now, I do like how they explain the Robin name, which was cool, how there's a Robin on uh, Dick's helmet and how he explains how he saved his brother's life and his dad said he swooped in like a Robin. It was cool. I'm not sure if that's the true origin of Robin because, like I said, I've never been a Robin fan, so I really didn't care about uh, if that, in fact, was the origin of Robin. But I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure there's a other reason why Robin got his name. But for this movie, I like how Robin got you know his name. Like I said, I've always been about Batman, 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 never Robin, Robin, Robin. So I always tried to avoid that as much as I could. Uh, always hard, of course, but uh, I do like it for this film. It was cool. I liked the design of the helmet with the Robin on there. And it made perfect sense how he got his name. Good stuff. So one of the scenes that Joel Schumacher said that he really wanted to do was take the Batmobile up a building. Now, a couple people I've heard have said that this is just a random scene, but actually when he's talking, uh, Bruce looks out the window and sees the bat symbol. So that was because Two-Face was causing havoc. So it's not like Bruce just showed, Batman just showed up and then Two-Face was there. He actually got the signal to go out and, and see what the problem was. But there's this really cool scene where the Batmobile goes up a building. It's in the music video uh, in all the previews. Looks really cool. I dig it. I like the way that uh, Val Kilmer looks when he's looking over and seeing all the people staring out the window as he's going up the building. It's just a really good shot. I mean, no doubt about it, this movie looks great. Uh, Batman and Robin, I mean, it looks like a whole, you know, total cartoon. But in this movie, uh, it's got a really good balance of being normal and, you know, neon lights. And uh, it's trying to be, I guess you could say, a comic book put to life. So I, I go along with it. I mean, of course, in reality, you're not going to have some neon gang uh, messing around, doing martial arts, you know, hijacking people. That's just not going to happen. But for this movie in this world, it works. Because in a way, you really have to go way above and beyond what you did in the last two movies if you're trying to tell people, hey, this is a new kind of film. So you got to kind of go the other direction. You know, the last movie was kind of like almost a gray color. So you want to brighten it up a little bit to tell people, hey, this is a more fun film. I mean, that's what this movie has written all over it is F-U-N, fun 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 that's the whole purpose of this film is just to be fun it really doesn't care too much about the story especially when you get into the whole brain waves and the box thing uh that's when it gets kind of stupid but there's a lot of good scenes that are really good and then others you know mostly with the box stuff is where the movie fails for me that i wish they could have totally did a different storyline with that but you know as i always say when you can't change anything it is what it is now, when Riddler finally shows up at Two-Face Lair, uh, he has his cane. Now, 
Uh, Jim Carrey did a lot of training with this metal cane. He went through a lot of them during filming. Uh, he actually took out a few props here and there uh, by by letting it slip and falling out of his hands. So every time you see Jim Carrey do all that fancy that fancy stuff with the cane, that's actually a real big metal cane that he actually practiced and did all that stuff, which is which I really like. But you know, Drew Barrymore's in this. She plays one of. Uh, Two Faces' other side, the kind of the good side. I like this. I like this scene because you. It, I mean, as as stupid as as it is, having you know light on one side and dark on the other. I mean, they really take it to the extreme here about two per two different personalities. But it's it's cool to see Two Face not be all over the top stupid like he's been throughout the film and you actually get to see him serious especially when he's talking about killing the riddler if the riddler is kind of you know not giving you know we'll flip a coin and uh we'll blow your we'll blow your damn head off you know it's just good stuff i i this is no the scene where two-face shines unfortunately it's the last scene two-face shines in now the laundry scene is i love one of my favorite scenes of the film it's what really won me over uh for robin in this film you know just seeing him use his socks like uh like they're nunchucks and the way he wrings out his clothes and stuff just uh, that's one of my favorite scenes of the film it's just really good stuff and uh and of course when he steals the batmobile i love it when he's like Want to take a ride in my love machine, baby? Uh, so good. Because that's what we would do. If we had access to a Batmobile, we'd want to take it out, try to pick up some chicks or whatever, you know, kind of show off. Uh, so it's really cool. I mean, of course, the neon fight scene is, is definitely interesting. Don the Dragon Wilson, he's the leader of the neon gang, if you will, and those group of girls that were making fun of Robin when he got out and says, I'm Batman. She goes, you're not Batman, you're Bat, you're Bat Boy. That was actually en vogue, which was pretty cool. But after this scene, you know, that's when we get the the talk between, you know, Bruce and, and Dick talking about, so you're willing to take a life and, you know, killing Two-Face will just make it worse. And this is the point when I realized that they were trying to to do the thing, you know, kind of what I talked about earlier, just trying to admit the fact of, you know, Batman was wrong before and that he's not trying to do it again. So so I'm glad that uh, that Joel Schumacher, the scriptwriter, whatever, did actually realize the, the fault of that. And I think they heard the complaints of the people in regards to Batman killing. So so good good on you there, guys. Now, can we talk about how the hell does Edward Nigma just become like a company like overnight? Like, you know, when they go and there's that neon band playing and Edward's all like celebrated. It's like, okay, does he have his own company now? Because he's supposed to be outclassing and outdoing Bruce, but Bruce is a billionaire. There's no way that Edward became a billionaire. So I'm just really confused how this just all of a sudden happened. I mean, I get the fact of the, you know, Riddler and Two Face have been robbing banks and stuff, and the whole point was to get the box in everybody's house, but. I don't get it. Does Edward Nygma all of a sudden have a company now? And It's not explained. It's like a big hole that you can drive a truck through. I just don't get it. How I don't know. They, they play it off like he's more rich than Bruce or something like that. So I don't get it. But moving on, I love the scene when, you know, Batman comes crashing through the window and then does the flip off of the water fountain. And then Edward's like, 
His entrance, your entrance was good. His was better. The different showmanship. And then you see Batman take on all these dudes. And then he's grabbed from behind and then jump kicks these other two guys coming at him. The scene looks great. It was in the music videos and all the commercials and stuff. It's one of the highlights of the film. Uh, this whole party sequence, as dumb as the actual reason for the party is, it's still cool uh, to see uh, Batman kicking some butt. So... Now, uh, actually, when Two Face, you know, says, "Why won't you just die?" and, and shoots him off of like that, uh, you know, the catwalk, and Bruce gets kind of, you know, Batman gets buried alive. I always thought that, you know, the first time I saw this, and I still think so to this day, when Dick pulls him out of the debris. The way he comes up, Val Kilmer, he looks just like Michael Keaton. It looks just like he did at the end of part one coming out of the bat, the bat wing or something. I don't know. It's just it looks good. There's a few moments where the way the camera is shot, he looks just like Michael Keaton. It's so weird. Now, I was really confused with the whole, uh, you know, Alfred talking to Bruce about Chase. And he's like, I've never been in love before. You were never in love before. What was that with Vicky Vale and what was that with uh, Selena Kyle? That wasn't love? Yeah, that was just puppy love or something? I don't know. I, I really didn't get it. But maybe he's trying to say he's never been in full deep love to where he'd want to give up being Batman. Maybe that's what he was trying to get at. I'm not sure. Or he's at a different place in his life to where now he can fully love and you know receive love and give it back. Maybe that's what he meant. It's not very clear. But I love, love, I mean, it's probably my my top three favorite scene where Bruce goes to see Chase and Chase realizes that she wants to be with Bruce and she's like, I hope you understand. And he walks away and just smiles. Oh, I love that shot. It looks so good. I always smile whenever I see that. It's just, it's just a really good feel-good scene. So the Batmobile blowing up, uh, not Batmobile blowing up, the Batcave being blown up. I mean, this scene is kind of over the top where they start to play the baseball music when he's like throwing all the little tiny birds that blow stuff up. I mean, as funny as the scene is, but it's kind of heartbreaking as a kid when you're seeing the Batmobile blow up and you're seeing the cave blow up. But when they started playing the music of baseball, dun, 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 I'm like, I kind of roll my eyes at that. I'm just like, wait a second. You went way over the top there. I mean, you've been going over the top in some scenes, but that was like way overboard. Now, of course, if we were watching Batman and Robin, it would fit right in. But for this film that's trying to be balanced between, you know, being like the burden films and, and a family friendly film. I don't know. It, it just I laugh at it. But at the same time, just I kind of roll my eyes, too. So. And the thing that I always say that the biggest thing I took out of this film was joygasm. I've said that all my life ever since I saw this. My wife hates it when I say that. She used to slap me in the back of the head every time I said it. And then I went like two years where I never said it. And then one day I started to say it again. And she never got mad at me again. But I, I try to keep it where I only say it like once every three or four months. But uh, I don't know. I just always thought it was funny. I mean, of course, I can see how it can be taken very badly. But uh, I don't know. I just always thought it was a funny line. So it's kind of what I always took away from this film was was that line. And again, I, I kind of touched base on the whole sitting there, flipping the coin, waiting to shoot Bruce. 
And uh, one of the cutscenes uh, is actually when Two Face does flip the coin and gets what he wants, which of course we talked about how that would not normally happen. But uh, Bruce actually does get the bullet and where it, it hits his head enough to where he gets amnesia, so he remembers being Bruce Wayne, but he doesn't remember being Batman. But it gets cleared up in like seven minutes and. Uh, yeah, that just didn't work, and the film the filmmakers realized that, so they just cut that whole amnesia scene out and just had it to where Bruce wakes up and starts to work on the riddles. So, so that was a good idea that they did that. Now, this scene is where I really start to love the dark side of the Riddler, which is finally the side he should be. You know, right when True Face is going to shoot Bruce, and he goes, "Nope," he goes, "If you kill him, he won't learn nothing." And then uh, he does that that crazy laugh uh, after after Harvey laughs. And I can't do the laugh, but it's just so funny. It's so creepy the way he does the laugh. And then when he comes down, he's like, like the jacket, it keeps me safe when I'm jogging at night. And then he does like the Sean Connery accent, like Batman, Batman, you say, coming for you. Ho, ho, ho. Um, and then he goes all evil, like, I'm counting on it. And then he like screams in her face. I was like, man, that's good stuff. That's the Riddler that I totally love is when he all of a sudden just says something that's kind of funny and then immediately turns it around and gets all crazy and dark and evil. That I really enjoy. So the the new bat suit I I really like even though it's more of a grayish color uh this whole like you know him putting on the new suit and Robin coming out and I like when he's just like you know I can't promise you I won't kill Harvey uh you know a man's got to go his own way a friend taught me that not just a friend a partner and and you see one go with the bat you know Batman in the bat wing and Robin in the in the boat good stuff man i i the the way they do the partnership and the music and, and the way they go off it's just like you know you're in for a really good adventure and it always got me pumped up that scene i don't know why it's just like i'm like yeah i'm ready to rock and roll now man so that was good stuff but one thing that's kind of dumb is when uh you know robin uh, the boat you know i like the fact that they're doing you know you sunk my battleship it's kind of a funny joke but you know robin immediately knows to eject but when he lands in the water, he has like this big oxygen mask on his face. Where the hell did he get that from? Did he have it in his utility belt? Because you didn't see him have it in the boat. So is it when he injected it in the air, he grabbed it from somewhere and put it in his mouth? They don't explain it. And then Batman has the same thing. When he goes and goes underwater, he has the same thing in his mouth. And then I do like the fact of though when Batman shoots the guy, the bad guys with the net, that he brings them above water. So that way they're not underwater drowning. Which of course fixes the you know the Batman of of Tim Burton movies would have left those guys to die. So that was cool. And my favorite the my favorite uh, Riddler line is when he goes now the real game begins and he gets all evil looking. That's my favorite riddle Riddler scene of the whole entire film right then and there uh, is so good. Now I like the joke the holy rusted metal Batman was kind of funny because it, it's kind of paying uh, homage to the TV show which you could tell Joel Schumacher was trying to be as much like the TV show as possible which I think is what really kind of took people for a loop which of course Batman and Robin is way beyond the TV show. I mean that one went from a TV show to a cartoon but it was funny to hear that joke of holy rusted metal Batman that was funny. Now, I need you guys to explain something to me because I just don't get it. I've watched this movie a handful of times. The same scene 
confuses me. And this is when uh, Batman is in the death trap, you know, like um, the elevator thing is going to go down. And then he like sets his boots to where it goes on fire. And then all of a sudden uh, the thing goes to the bottom and he's going up the chain. What did he do? I don't get it. I've I've watched this in slow motion. I still don't get it. So I get the fact of Batman is on top of, you know, like he's holding on to like the metal to go, you know, so that way he's not going down to get crushed. But then when he puts his feet and he hits the and he hits like the blower, how does it break the, you know, the chain? I don't get it. So somebody please explain it to me. I I'm just dumb. I don't get it. It always bothered me how that happened. How did he escape the death trap? Don't get it. So please, somebody, please explain to me how that worked because I just don't get it because I'm dumb. Okay, so we're at the very end, and I like the line, you know, riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big bat, big black bat? You know, it was all in all the previews and stuff. It's good stuff, but I don't get the whole. You know, if knowledge is power, then a god am. And then he gets all demon voice and says, I. Was he supposed to be, you know, how was it? uh, Was that supposed to be supernatural to where he gets a demon voice? Or was that supposed to be funny? I don't get it. I just don't get how his voice got all evil demon. Because unless he was draining powers from demons, how did his voice get to be like that? I don't get it. So again, explain it to me because I'm dumb. I just don't get it. I got a big question mark on that whole that a god am. Oh, I I don't know how he does it. It's ridiculous, but he sounds like a demon. So someone explain it to me how he was able to do that. I don't know. I guess you're just supposed to go with it. Uh, it's cool. I mean, it's definitely supposed to make him scarier. And then he's like, was that over the top? I can never tell. You know, I get it. I, but I don't get it at the same time. So please explain it to me as well because those two scenes are the biggest like – well, there's a lot of scenes where I'm just like, well, how the hell did that happen? But these two are just like seriously way over the top like how did that happen? Now, uh, the Riddler specifically says that Batman has five seconds to save Robin and Chase. So – I love the whole like giving Riddler, you know, his own riddle and blowing up the thing. And I, I mean, I, I definitely dig the ending. It's awesome. It looks great. But, you know, in movie time, like a minute is like 30 minutes and like an hour is like a day. So five seconds you would think was like a second in movie time. But somehow they show you, you know, rescuing Chase and then rescuing Batman. And it took way longer than five seconds. So I'm just going to assume that Riddler was way off on how long it would take them to actually fall. But, hey, it looked cool. And that's all that mattered. So um, all in all, though, uh, I would say that I love how, uh, you know, Chase gives him a kiss and just says, don't work too late. And then you see Batman and Robin run off into the, you know, they play the music and you see the bat symbol and then it goes all black. Thought that was cool. Now, um, I I didn't mention about Two-Face dying. Supposedly, Joel Schumacher said that Two-Face, you know, they didn't show his body. They just showed that he fell. They didn't say, you know, how he landed. But, uh, you know, really Batman didn't, I don't know, did he kill Two-Face? I mean, how did he have a whole bunch of coins in his back pocket? It was beyond me. But uh, 
I get the fact that it was just to distract him from doing his coin. But, of course, Bruce had to remind him, hey, don't you need to flip your coin before you decide you're going to shoot me? Again, two faces out of character. He should not have had to be reminded to do the thing you're supposed to do as a character. That was dumb. But, of course, we won't get into that because we've already talked about how Two-Face is completely wrong in this film. But uh, I don't know. Uh, this is really this is the first time in the film that Batman's killed somebody. But it was really more of a accident than it was intentional. Like, you know, in Batman Returns, he puts the bomb in the dude's pants and laughs at it. So this one, I get it. I can forgive. It's cool. So no big deal. But so according to Joel Schumacher, though, because it's a family film, uh, Two-Face had options of not being dead. So, so all in all, guys, as far as, you know, um, you know, rating wise, I would say that this is way better than Batman Returns. Uh, it's the second best of of the earlier edition of the Batman films. So you know, watch Batman '89, watch Batman Forever, and then jump to the Nolan films. Just skip Batman Returns and Batman and Robin, uh, unless you want to have a good time with your friends. Watch Batman and Robin and just laugh hysterically. But all in all, though, uh, I would give this a, a strong three and a half. Uh, I still the scene, I still enjoy this movie. I still have a lot of fun with the film. It's not my Batman for sure. I mean, it's not the the Bruce Wayne that I love and the Batman I love. But he's definitely a lot of fun to hang out with and have a good fun time for two hours. So yeah, I I'd say it's a very strong three and a half. Uh, it's way better than uh, than Batman Returns, you know. And of course, Batman '89. Uh, I gave four stars, so it's a half star below. Batman 89 so I would just say hey you know do Batman 89 skip over this one uh, this one you can sit down and watch with your kids uh, I do enjoy the fact that this is this is a family friendly film that an adults can enjoy because there's a lot of jokes that will go over kids heads that they just won't get uh, and there's some scary stuff but not enough to where they'll never want to watch it again uh, I I had renewed faith in Batman after this film and uh, and it was good I, I say you know this is out of all the out of all the films. This is the best to watch with the family because everybody will enjoy it. Versus Batman and Robin is just a cartoon, and you and the parents are going to hate it. This one, everybody can enjoy it. So good stuff. Three and a half stars. So that's my review of Batman Forever. Let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, so our first email comes from Jameson the Great, and and I forgot to mention when I was on vacation, I had the coolest experience, which most of you hardcore fans already know this, but um, I I live in uh, you know I live in Illinois, and uh, there's this free zoo which is over the next state over to me, which is in Madison, Wisconsin. It's about uh, it's about only two hours away because Wisconsin is technically only about thirty minutes away from me because I'm right on the end of Illinois. And, uh, and I just somehow, you know, me and Jameson, we talk all the time and just something told me to tell him, Hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. Cause I know, I knew that he lived in Wisconsin 
And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to the zoo. He goes, oh, you're going to, you know, he's like, you're going to that particular zoo. I was like, yeah, I'm going to that one. He goes, dude, I work right around the corner. I was like, seriously? He goes, yeah, we should meet up. So, you know, we worked it out to where, uh, you know, I let him know which day I'm going, what time I was going to be there. He took his break a little bit later. And uh, and then we had just got in there and we met up and we took pictures and we hung out, which we only got to hang out for about 15 minutes and then he had to get back to work. But it was super fun. He was even cooler than I thought was even possible. Uh, my wife really dug him a lot. They had a really good guilty pleasures conversation. You know, my kids, uh, they were really patient and they thought it was really cool. I was meeting him. So I had the first ever STL meetup. It was awesome. And then uh, and then recently, Jason, uh, you know, because Jason and Jameson are really good friends, which you'll find out in the next episode how that is. And uh, he took a picture of uh, me and Jameson, and then um, there was Wayne Manor from Batman Begins, and then he, Jason, has the same Batman shirt that I had on in the picture, and then put it together, and then just said, "It it could happen, it should happen," and that was all three of us doing an episode together. And a lot of people liked the liked the picture over on Flicks. Like eleven people liked it in less than twenty four hours. It's awesome. So go check it out over at the Flicks page. Uh, of the picture put together you know jason's wife helped him put it together it's just so good awesome i love the picture it looks like we all took it together it's good times but uh jameson's excellent guy and uh and i i look forward to doing our episode together we're we're going to plan on doing a, a sweep the mojo episode at one point soon uh because we're we're not that far away they come they come to my neck of the woods him and brian uh, they know where I live, so just one day we're going to get together and we're going to do an awesome epic episode, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. So, And then also there's another uh, really cool thing uh, that could possibly happen that uh, you know I can't talk about right now, but uh, there's some ideas flowing and it's going to be some good times when, whenever I can announce some of, the, some of the interesting and awesome things that are going to be coming to the show. So, uh, so Jameson said, Mr. Masunis, here we are again discussing the big black bat. This time it's Batman Forever featuring our new man behind the mask. The switch to Val Kilmer is quite shocking to me at the time. It was the first time I'd seen a star of a franchise replaced in a sequel, not counting James Bond. Uh, I had been a big fan of Val Kilmer going back to real genius Top Gun days, so I was curious about this. And for the most part, I thought he pulled it off. I really enjoyed him as Batman, although he was kind of lacking as Bruce Wayne to me. Uh, I think... Uh, the thing I did appreciate is they attempted to show more of a tortured soul Bruce with mixed results, which I agree with you 100%, sir. Uh, there's a lot of fun things in the movie and some I don't care for. First of all, Chris O'Donnell is Robin. I never cared for O'Donnell and this didn't change it. I just never envisioned Robin as a guy in his early 20s who needed someone to take him in and take care of him much less robin with an earring you know i like the fact he had an earring uh, it made him more teenager especially for the teenage now and it's not like he's being adopted he's just being taken in because he had no one to go to so i like the fact that they made robin more awesome and made him more like the newer version of the comic you know it's cool that you didn't dig robin because you know i'm a big robin hater but i really enjoyed what they did with them and like i said i enjoyed the new robin like i said when the comics came out that was awesome but uh, moving on, he said that the one thing I did enjoy with Robin is when he attempted to come up with the new name and drop in the Nightwing, the Nightwing reference. That was good times. Then we have our villains. As you know, I believe great superhero movies are made because of 
uh, because of their villains. This is where I have some good and bad. Both of our villains are over the top, especially Jim Carrey. Surprise, surprise. But Tommy Lee's Two-Face comes off too much like the Joker. As a lawyer, I feel Two-Face should be more mechanical and calculating than zany. Of course, I agree 100%. That also bothered me. Another thing that always bothered me is how this is... uh, uh, excuse me, that always bothered me is how in this, Two-Face is willing to disregard his slavage allegiance to his coin, which, oh, we both agree on that. It's just so annoying. That character always does whatever the coin says. But in this film, it's if he doesn't like the results, he just flips again until he gets the result he wants. That's not right. I also noticed that Acid plays a large part in creating Batman's villains. If it wasn't for Acid hitting people's faces, we wouldn't have Joker or Two-Face in his in this version. Which is so funny. That's a good point. Jim Carrey as the Riddler is perfect. Absolute spot on casting. I always enjoyed it, even if it's cartoonish. But especially in this universe where they have Robin getting into underground glow stick fights, I can allow a little extra crazy from the Riddler. Uh, that's a good point, sir. Uh, he said, overall, I like this movie. I love this scene where Batman comes uh, running out of the fire, which, yeah, you're right. That scene's awesome. That's another scene where it kind of had a, a Keaton look to it almost. I even kind of dig the suits uh, minus the nipples. Uh, you can see where there are hints of where the following movie is going to come off uh, off the rails in this, but it's enjoyable. I consider this my second favorite movie in the franchise, and the soundtrack was really great. I look forward to hearing the conclusion episode of the series with Jason. It's been a lot of fun revisiting these films along with everyone. That is all Jameson, the self-proclaimed STL legend. So thank you, sir. Always an excellent time. And uh, Jameson actually over at Movie Mojo Monthly just did the top 10 uh, worst and best superhero list. So if you haven't checked that out, head on over there. Uh, I was actually shocked at his number one. Uh, and his reason behind it was excellent uh, to kind of be uh, his own thing, which was was awesome. I can totally respect that. So go check out the list. Uh, there's some surprise contenders in the worst and best list. So, uh, and I'll be sending in my list on the next email. Uh, he was supposed to talk about our story of uh, how everybody just could not believe we were together and how everybody just kind of fainted and wanted our autographs and stuff at the zoo. But, you know, he'll get into that on the next episode because he kind of ran out of time. So it was all good. So, uh, so thank you, Jameson. And uh, let's get on to uh, our last email because we only have two on this bad boy. And this one comes from John, the music man. And he's like, hello, STL, Mike and the Batman fans. Okay. I might be in the minority, but one of my first but out of the first four Batman films, this is my favorite. I thought Val Kilmer was awesome and I really enjoyed his take on Batman. You know, I will admit, uh, as a kid, after seeing this, I really did put this movie above Batman 89. I watched this film a lot more than I did 89 for a long time. Uh, I would always watch it at a friend's house or at my girlfriend's house and stuff. But over time, I've, I've come to love 89 way more than this movie. But that's cool, sir. This is considered your favorite. So, And uh, I thought Val Kilmer was awesome. And I really enjoyed his take on Batman as well. This might sound crazy that this is my favorite Batmobile. Uh, I thought it was just such fun uh, when Robin stole the Batmobile also. Uh, as well, I'm a huge fan of Jim Carrey. And my favorite line to this day from the movie is Joygasm. See? there you go sir Uh, my second favorite line from the film uh, is when robin said holy rusted metal batman you know the ground is full of metal it's full of holes 
just classic. But in the end, uh, if I want to watch a Batman film outside of Nolan films, this is the one that I pop in. Now, before I sign off, I have to say that this soundtrack is great. Uh, Bad Days from the Flaming Lips and Smash It Up from Offspring. Good times, my friends. Well, this is John the Music Man in Philly putting the headset on and listening to some Linkin Park today. John the Music Man. So thank you, sir. Always excellent time to hear from you. You had some good points, sir. You know, I can't fault you whatsoever for making this your favorite. So uh, so that is it, guys, for, um, for our email. So let's uh, get into the music spotlight. All right, music spotlight time. Now, as you know, we've been doing the uh, summer music spotlight series, which I hope you guys have been enjoying. I've been hearing some good stuff, and that's where the first song is kind of a, a song that uh, you know I, I I listen to in the summertime. I blast it out of my car, my car windows, and have everybody listen to it, and just I have a good time with it. It's my summertime tunes, uh, but it's usually a song that not a lot of people heard of, and then the second one is a song that everybody's heard of. But uh, the reason why uh, you know, I'm saving the awards for the end here because I talked about the STL awards. It's just because the the main song is only going to be one tonight, and I'll explain why I'm only doing one after the awards ceremony. So, and uh, I I saved the awards ceremony because it ties in with the music spotlight at the end. So it's all good. So, and you're probably wondering what is the STL awards? Well, here's the thing. You know, this show is. Uh, you know, it's been around for for a while. You know, I'm going on almost 70 episodes pretty soon. And a lot of podcasts don't even make it past five episodes. And uh, there's been a lot of changes. And you guys have stuck with me through that. You know, through the, the first horrible 20 or so episodes. Uh, however many it was. I mean, a lot of people can go back and tell me that it's all great and fun stuff. But, you know, you guys have been there f- with me through thick and thin. And, uh and I just love having a, a solid amount. You know, I have about a good 25 people that really support me in this show and, and really give me the ideas and just help make things better. And it's just, you know, I got a lot of great friends from this show and you guys make it worth it. I mean, uh, it takes a lot of time and energy to do a podcast. And, you know, of course, it's not it's free to you, but not free to me. But, you know, all in the end, it's all worth it because of all the the people that I've I've come in contact with and uh, I feel have made a difference in their life and stuff. And it's been great. So I thought it was a perfect time to kind of honor you guys for uh, for honoring me because of the fact that you stick with me this long and uh, and you don't seem to be uh, to be going away anytime soon. And I hope you don't. So so this is why I decided to do an STL award uh, to kind of bring recognition to uh, to the hardcore fans. Now, if you don't make the list, it's not because I'm not thinking of you or uh, you did something wrong. It's just because uh, these people that I'm acknowledging today uh, have really made a difference in the podcast, uh, whether it be personally or because of the show. I mean, uh, everybody has their own specific category uh, that that you have been uh, awarded. So, of course, you don't get prizes 
like you know me sending you DVDs or money or something. But I just wanted to give uh, a bunch of the hardcore fans uh, some recognition and letting you know that uh, how important you are to me uh, and this show, and that uh, you know you make you make a big difference. So, so I wanted to uh, to do an award ceremony. So here we go, guys. Let's get into the first award. Now, uh, to make sure that uh, we do this properly, uh, I'm going to say your name, and uh, hopefully you don't get mad if I say your whole name. But uh, that's kind of how uh, I gotta I gotta do it here, and uh, you know, and then I'll do the AKA who you are known for. But the first award uh, goes to probably one of my uh, my first STL members, and that goes to. Uh, the STL member that's the easiest to get along with, and that's John Rowley III over in Philly, a.k.a. John the Music Man. John the Music Man is uh, is so much like me. He pretty much likes every music uh, artist that I do. Uh, I've... I've introduced him to a lot of different bands and he's responded to loving every single one of them and introducing me to stuff that I've dug. And, uh, he likes all the same movies that I do. And we have had really good conversations. And, uh, there's actually one episode where I played a certain song that really touched his heart and his life. And he, and he wrote me a story about it. And ever since that time, uh, we've, we've talked pretty much every day. Um, uh, through message and stuff like that, uh, and just we talk about everything from uh, from movies to music to to life to wives to children uh, to heartbreak. It's just uh, we have a lot of good deep conversation. Uh, I can definitely consider him one of my best friends that I've never met in my whole entire life. Uh, he's a great guy. He has a great heart, and uh, and I'm definitely privileged and honored to have him a part of the STL Nation. Uh, so, so thank you, sir, for everything you do. You're always a big supporter and, uh, and you always have my back. And, uh, and the next award goes to the biggest game changer, the STL member that's considered the biggest game changer. And that's got to go to uh, good old John McMillan, uh, AKA John MC, AKA John, the mailman, uh, John, the mailman came over from flicks. And, uh, and the reason why I call him the biggest game changer is I said that I would never, ever, ever watched the karate kid and uh and he worked on me for for a long time he was a big supporter of uh of everything i've done on the show uh, he's given me some really good suggestions he's always had my back uh him and john uh those two go go hand in hand and uh and i always gave him uh he was one of, he was actually the first person to get a nickname uh which kind of started the whole nickname of of the stl members and stuff and uh, uh he's definitely a, a great uh and fun guy uh, he, he always has really great things to say, uh, especially when he emails in and he brought back hot, hot is always one of my, uh, every time I, I hear the word hot, I think of him. And, uh, we always joke all the time about vampires and werewolves every time he goes out to, uh, to do the mail and him and, uh, him and John, the music man, they kind of live by each other over in Philly, but he's definitely the biggest game changer because he, he he'll give me a suggestion and I may not like it, but he'll slowly work on me until I give in. And and I've actually had uh, Judge Dredd. I never would have watched it if it wasn't for him. So I definitely consider him the biggest game changer because he he's really helped me, um, you know, watch movies that I never would think about doing because he's got a he's got a really good way of convincing you uh, to do things. So he's definitely a great friend, and uh, and I'm honored and privileged to have you a part of the STL nation, sir. So, uh, so much love to you guys. And, uh, and the next award 
goes to uh, the coolest cat, uh, the coolest cat STL member that I know, and that's Mr. Jason Watson, uh, good old uh, Monday Night Jason. Um, you know, he we started off as uh, as wrestling buddies uh, over on Twitter. We would always talk about wrestling, which is how he got his nickname, Monday Night Jason, uh, because it was always Monday Night Raw. Uh, he's a humongous rock fan. Uh, he's probably almost as much, almost as much of a lover of the rock as I am. But you know, nobody beats me on that one. Uh, but our relationship started with uh, with Twitter, talking about wrestling and stuff, and then it moved on to uh, to music and and then movies. And now we talk about uh, pretty much daily. Uh, we contact each other about. Uh, it, he always introduces me to new podcast. And uh, and every and I always introduce him to to the stuff that I'm listening to. Uh, he's got really good taste in music. He's probably the happiest person that I know. Uh, no matter how bad of a day he's having, he's always got some positive to say, uh, whether it be on his own Facebook page or or whatever, or, or just to me. And uh, and he's a huge support. You know, I remember uh, I was having a little problem with uh, you know the whole being solo and and aren't people bored of listening to me and he's like you know you love what you're doing you can tell that you really love you know the movies and music you talk about uh he feels like he can he can talk yeah anybody could talk about something but if there's no heart behind it or personality uh it it kind of defines you from everybody else and uh and you love your podcasting and you love to interact with STL Nation most of all uh, you know you can feel your heart uh in what you talk about and uh and it's just it's it really when i heard that it was like it was so good and kind of what i needed to hear at the time so he's definitely got a humongous heart and uh and that's i just consider him the the coolest cat that i know uh always happy always uplifting and encouraging so uh so that goes to you sir uh you're the coolest cat that i know the next STL award goes to uh, the funniest guy, uh, the the funniest STL member, uh, and that would be Ty. Uh, Ty uh, has co-hosted on the show twice. He was on The Crow and then on Star Wars during our, our lovely adventure. Uh, but I've I've always thought that he was super funny, and uh, he me and him on Twitter. Uh, we always go at it. We have this actual segment on Twitter called "Messing with Masunis," and uh, and. He's just he just cracks me up. Uh, he can always find a way to cheer me up and make me laugh. And uh, he's always a, a pleasure to have on the show. And uh, he just kind of kind of doesn't have a filter sometimes and just says what what he feels. Uh, he's definitely real, I guess you could say, where he just kind of he's not afraid to say what's on his mind, which I which I respect. But uh, he's just he's super funny. And uh, he's definitely the the funniest STL member that I know. And uh, I'm not even sure if he still listens to this show. But uh, but if you do, sir, I just want to let you know you definitely get an award for being the the funniest STL member uh, of of the show. So uh, the next award goes to Anthony Pereira, aka Anthony the Epic Emailer. Uh, your award, sir, is uh, the the greatest STL conversationalist. Uh, Anthony always has excellent topics. Whenever uh, he recently became part of the STL uh, Nation Randomness group, and uh, he always has amazing topics to talk about. He has very thought provoking things to say. Uh, he's very respectful uh, in what he says when he when he talks, but he always comes up with things to make you 
think. And, uh, and he has a really good way of just being able to, to get a conversation going. Uh, I mean, he can put up a post that within uh, a couple of hours, we already have 40 hits on it. Uh, he's, uh, his emails are always great. He takes the time out of his day to create funny little pictures uh, for me for the show. And, uh, and it's great to finally have him on Facebook because he, he just recently got on Facebook. So uh, he, I was actually his first friend, which was really cool. And, and it was really awesome to officially have him part of the group. And uh, everybody loves him. He's, he's been really great. And uh, he, I just love his, uh, his thought-provoking conversations and his movie ideas. Uh, you know, when I ever ask for suggestions about the show, uh, what kind of episodes to do, he's like, well, how about this? You know, and he'll give an actual educated reason behind it instead of just saying, well, why don't you do this? He'll be like, well, why don't you do this? Because if you do this, you know, and he'll give you step one, two, and three. He's very thought-provoking, uh, very intelligent, really good, nice guy. And uh, I'm I'm very happy and privileged to know him, and I'm I'm so glad he's part of the STL uh, Nation because I think he makes it so much better, and um, and it's good to have you a part of the team, sir. So uh, so that award goes to you, and uh, and our next award goes to uh, Tawana Williams. Now Tawana, uh, she's definitely a, a great. Uh, a great contribution. Now she's never actually emailed in, so she's uh, not official part of the STL Nation. However, uh, she uh, was one of the first people to uh, to follow me on Twitter, and uh, she would very rarely post on Facebook. But she, ever since she joined the group, uh, she's had excellent things to say. Uh, she's definitely uh, she's very funny. Uh, she's a very uh, kind and gentle spirit. And, uh, and she's good times, and I really enjoy having her part of the group. Uh, she is definitely just like, uh, just like Watson, uh, has a really good, uh, really good sense of humor and can always, always seems to never have a bad day. So it's definitely been a blast to have her part uh, of the STL Nation. So, so thank you. Uh, and the next, uh, the next award and, uh, in this category is the STL member with Hawkeyes. And, uh, and I, and that member is Ivan Carmona and, and Ivan's great because of the fact of, you know, very rarely, uh, did I have a post up on Facebook where he would post anything, but whenever he did, he always had my back and he always supported whatever my particular post was. For example, uh, in regards to star Wars, uh, during my, uh, my situation that I had, uh, he was there to be like, you know what, Mike, I got you back. It's cool. You know, don't let anybody bring you down. Uh, as good as it would have been to have the series go on, uh, you know, do what you need to do. And uh, and he's always, whenever he's posted about certain things or certain topics, he always had something really good to say. So I consider him the, you know, the the, the Hawkeyes where he's he's kind of far away, but he keeps close eye on things where he'll he'll bring his comments in when he needs to. So he he kind of likes to stay hidden. But uh, it's it's but he definitely makes sure he's got I guess you could say eagle eye uh, is probably more like it the the eagle eye of the STL nation would go to Ivan because uh, when when he does have something to say 
it's definitely supportive and good times. All right. And before we move on to the next award, uh, technically I do have a tie on this uh, quote-unquote Eagle Eye or Hawkeye Award, and that would actually go to also Larry Cataldo because Larry actually is just like Ivan. Uh, he would post just about as much as Ivan did on the Facebook page, but when he would post something, it was always positive and just uh, having my back. Uh, he'd be like, you know, the show's going great. You know, your new mic is going great. You know, keep it up, Masunis. Uh, he, he's in the group, doesn't post a whole lot, but he is definitely a big supporter of the show. But again, he does everything from kind of far away, just like Ivan. He kind of posts when he needs to post, uh, which is really cool. So so that, sir, uh, you both tie for that award. And that is the only tie of the whole entire award ceremony goes to those two. So let's move on to the next award. Now, the next award, this one goes to the most famous STL member, and that would be Nick the Knight Nugent. Uh, Nick the Knight Nugent, for those of you who don't know, uh, he is an author and publisher. Uh, big artistic guy. I mean, for example, he wrote this book. It's called The Night Rider Companion. And uh, and this sucker, listen to this. I don't know if you heard that or not, but it's like 500 pages long. And uh, and it's a really awesome book. It's about the whole history of Night Rider. And it's just it's amazing. Uh, he's actually uh, met uh, Robert England. He's got he's met a lot of celebrities. Uh, he does uh, he does such great creative work, and and it's just amazing. And uh, what's really cool is he's always been very respectful and very uh, he's always had nice things to say to me all the time. Uh, he's a very busy guy, but he always goes out of his way to uh to give me uh props on on twitter and on facebook and just always encourage me as much as possible and uh you know in in this book uh that i bought uh what was really cool is he actually said that uh to mike uh mass man because he kind of gave me his own nickname uh masunis the never-ending radical dude because during the ghostbusters live episode you know i said a nerd is a never-ending radical dude so that's kind of how he always refers to me he goes turbo boost to the stars and capture your dreams thanks for the support pal stl nation for life uh nick nugent and then he he drew a picture of uh of daniel um, doing the crane kick and then put STL below. It was so cool. So uh, he is definitely the most uh, famous of all of the STL members. Uh, so it's really cool. If you're a huge fan of Knight Rider, go check out his book. And uh, it, it, it's just it's good time, sir. I th- always thank you for all of your kind words that you always have to say to me and always giving me support. Uh, so thank you so much. And that award definitely goes to uh, to you, sir, as the most famous of the STL nation. So let's move on to the next award. Now, uh, the next award goes to, uh, the funniest STL member. And that would be, uh, that would be cheerful. Charlie, um, Charlie always cracks me up because of the fact of, uh, he posts about everything. Uh, I never knew about somebody that posts about, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know, like on Facebook, uh, you know, I'm reading this book, I'm watching this, I'm eating this, you know, I never knew about those kind of people on Facebook. 
But uh, he's always uh, the reason he got the name Cheerful Charlie because he always wants to be friends with everybody. Uh, he always puts like your name whenever you're whenever he you're having a conversation. He'll always like be the first person to welcome you to the group and uh, put your name in caps so that way you're tagged in it. Uh, he he always tries to be uh, as positive and just wants to be your friend. Uh, he, he definitely runs away from negativity. Although the reason, another reason why I say he's the funniest is he's very confusing. You know, he'll say something like, for example, uh, you know, I've kind of been giving him crap because all he talks about is seeing the dark night rises, the dark night rises, and then all of a sudden he's changed his mind, and and I've kind of given him crap about it, and uh, and he, he's just funny because he will say something, but then I. Get get really confused by the next thing he says uh but it's always funny when you know he tries to explain it and then we all kind of get the joke so he's definitely the funniest character of the stl nation and he definitely uh knows how to keep the party live and uh and most of all he just wants to be everybody's friend and you you can't you know there's no harm in that you know it's it's great to meet somebody that uh, is wants to be your friend versus try to pull you to the side because you may be different and that's definitely good to have so so props to you sir uh for being the funniest member of this tale nation even though i'm very confused at your whole uh dark night situation but you know that's for another time and place i'm just giving you crap sir uh, you know it's all in good fun, and uh, and we all have we all have good time on the board. Uh, so yeah, it's he's definitely the funniest character of the STL Nation. Now the uh, the next award goes to the STL member most likely to be my best friend in real life, and that goes to good old Jameson Rabbit, aka Jameson, the self-proclaimed STL legend. Uh, you know he's definitely the first of the of the nation that I've met. And, uh, and we get along, uh, so well. I mean, whether we're, uh, talking through emails, whether we're talking, uh, on Facebook or, you know, we're, you know, now we actually have each other's number to actually text. Uh, he, he definitely has, uh, what's really cool is, you know, I found out about, you know, I first heard him on flicks talking to Karate Kid. And instantly when I, when I heard the love that he gave, I was like, this guy is pretty cool. And then once I heard his show, I was like, you know, I really resonate, uh, with, with the things that he says, even though some things I don't agree with. Uh, and, and then of course he gave me my nickname of Contrarian Masunis because I always liked the things that people don't. And, uh, we, we have a really great time of giving each other, uh, you know, crap. Uh, but it's always in, in a fun in a fun way. Uh, not nearly as much as me and Jason do, of course. But uh, he's definitely in in that award category of uh, of possible best friend in real life because of the fact that we've already met. We're not that far away. Uh, we're already going to be planning future functions together, and uh, and it's been great. Uh, he's met my family. My family really dug him. Uh, he's a really great guy. You know, he loves Batman just as much as I do, which is definitely bonus points. And uh, and it's just it's really it's just this proves that it's such a small world when uh, when two podcasters can come together and you realize that you don't live that far away. And, you know, how many podcasters can actually say that they actually met in real life, you know, it's kind of rare. It's cool. You know what I mean? Where you were on two separate shows and you came together and then you actually met and it's just really cool. It's just, it's, it's a moment that I'm really proud of in my life and it's just, it's awesome. So I, I think that award best suits you, sir. 
and uh, and I look forward to uh, to the the rest of our of our years together. And the cool thing is we have a lot in common uh, outside of podcasting in regards to. Uh, you know, music and, and personal life with family and faith and everything else like that. It's just, it's excellent. Good time, sir. So that award goes to you, sir. And uh, and I love the fact of you called yourself the STL le- legend. Uh, that was just priceless and uh, always a good time. So, uh, so the next award is for the STL member that likes all my stuff. And that would go to Elizabeth Bullington. Uh, every time I post a picture up or I have a certain status, she's always the first one to comment and say how awesome it is. Uh, she's a big fan of Supernatural. Uh, she has her own uh, blogs that she posts about movies and stuff like that. Uh, she's definitely a, a fun character. And uh, she's not too much uh, into uh, the group as much, but uh, she she likes all the same uh, shows that I do. And she likes my music spotlights. Uh, you know, she likes 12 Stones. It's just whenever I mention uh, certain music, she gets very excited. She's one of the more vocal people on the uh, regular Sweep the Lake page when it comes to music spotlights and things. So it's cool to see that uh, I made a new music fan of certain bands. So she has definitely uh, been very fun and, and always kind of makes me smile. So hopefully uh, you'll become more uh, involved uh, in the in the group and stuff, but uh, that award goes to you because it always kind of cracks me up. So uh, the next award, and there's only a few awards left. All right, so the next award goes to the STL wrestling member, and that's none other than Steve Rogers, good old Austin three sixteen. Uh, Steve, uh, he's only actually emailed in once. However, uh, he's a humongous fan of Austin 316, Steve Austin, and he knows I'm a big fan of The Rock. Uh, we have a lot of good times when it comes to wrestling talk. Uh, he actually emailed in on my special wrestling episode. It was his first time emailing in. It was a really great email. He's a very fun guy. He's a big supporter of uh, of Jason shows, you know, and uh, and also of the Shadowy Flight. Uh, he's actually uh, been supported, supported of supportive of me over there, taking over the hosting duties, and it's been really great, sir. I wanted to thank you for that. Not a lot of people have uh, have kind of transferred over. But uh, it's been great that you've been over there. I know that uh, we don't get a lot of interaction from you on the STL side. But on my personal side, we have really good fun times. And uh, he actually was going to do something really special where he was going to get me a sound clip with good old uh, Sente Crease of the Karate Kid. Uh, he was going to be able to meet him and try to get me a, a sound clip for the show, you know, like Sweep the Lake Masoon or something like that. But it, it didn't work out. But the thought uh, was so was so awesome. And, and the fact that he was willing to do that was just so great. So I wanted to thank you, sir, from the bottom of my heart that you were willing to do that. Uh, that was so awesome. So thank you, sir. You are definitely the 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 hardcore wrestling fan of the STL Nation. Even though Mia Watson, we love our wrestling, you, sir, are, are the biggest hardcore and, and and my total buddy when it comes to fighting with you when I'm the rock and you're Austin because I always win and you always lose. But no, nah, I'm just kidding. So so thank you, sir. That award goes to you. And uh, the next category, uh, this is for the STL member with the strongest email. And that's got to go to uh, good old uh, Jason Adams, a.k.a. Top Gun Jason. Uh, J- now, he's not, uh, he's not been too much 
uh, into the group and stuff. Uh, in fact, he, he left a little while ago, but he just recently came back because, you know, he was real busy at work and stuff. But uh, he was one of the first newer members of the STL Nation uh, when I started the sound clip of every time we play, every time we have a new STL member, that's when I played the Bonsai clip from the Karate Kid. Uh, but I was given love on Iron Eagle, and uh, he was really defending Top Gun, you know, in regards to the whole chick flick and stuff like that. And I just found his emails. Uh, he did about two two or three, and I just found him to be very good. Uh, he had very insightful uh, this in his backing up uh, of his love for Top Gun, which I respected. Uh, I, it was kind of a movie I was kind of trashing a little bit, and uh, and he just kind of stood up for it and was really strong in his opinion. But he was very respectful uh, in his opinion, and and you know he's occasionally uh, sent me messages on Facebook just to see how everything's going, and he's a really nice guy, and uh, he always has real funny stuff uh, on Facebook that he posts. And uh, and he's just uh, I definitely want more interaction from him. I think he'll be a, a very good asset uh, and and really good topics in the group. And uh, and I just I really you know it was one of the most impacting emails I can remember from this past year. So that award goes to you, sir. Now there's only three awards left. So uh, so the next one goes to uh, the STL member that loves foreign films. And that goes to uh, to Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian uh, has always been uh, the one pushing foreign films. Uh, he likes a lot of documentaries. You know, I, I can respect his taste. Um, there's a lot of movies that he'll request of me to do on the show, and uh, you know, and I've I've explained. You know, there's certain movies that uh, I won't do on the show just because you know this show is all about uh, letting the good times flow and and picking movies that everybody pretty much knows and loves and uh, trying to avoid uh, movies that are really hard to find or you know foreign films uh, as much as I respect them are just really aren't part of the show but he just you know he's definitely a lover of those foreign films which is great uh, he, he usually um, tries to uh, you know he always messages me every day just to see how things are going uh, you know he's def- he's in a different uh, time frame so we, we kind of always miss each other but he always has a lot of suggestions and movie requests and uh, so so yeah he but his emails though you know I originally gave him the nickname of Sebastian the comedian but then he started to go overboard uh, with his emails and uh, and you know it was always uh, always funny uh, and now things are finally cleaning up and the emails they're they're looking good uh, he's not, he's just being serious because that's kind of what I wanted I was like dude don't try to be so funny man I, I gave that to you because uh, he would always call the show something funny like sweet the you know sweep the the bootleg podcast or something that's why I call him Sebastian the comedian but uh, it was it's really good to, when I actually hear his points without being funny uh, those emails were always good so it's definitely uh, an asset to have you in the uh, in the show uh, in the nation sir you you definitely keep everybody on their toes and and you always have uh, interesting and and good requests, even though uh, I may not be able to do them all. So that award goes to you, sir. Uh, our second to last uh, award goes to. 
the STL member with the most amount of podcasts. And you would think that this goes to Jason, but this actually goes to uh, my friend David Vox Mullen. Uh, he actually uh, has his own podcasting empire. It's called the DVM Podcasting Empire, which uh, Jameson's show, Movie Mojo Monthly, is actually uh, on that uh, on that network. Uh, his uh, What he does is he does something kind of interesting. Uh, he specifically comes out with podcasts on TV shows, and they're always new shows. Uh, that's kind of the thing, is not waiting for a show to hit the second season or the third season. He purposely finds any new show. He has a podcast start. On it, which is really cool. It's a really good idea, and uh, and it's uh, he's a really funny guy. Uh, he's got a really good sense of humor. He's a really nice guy, uh, and and he's he's actually uh, you know when we get serious about stuff, we always have good conversations. Uh, he's a very you know very insightful guy, and uh, and he always kind of jokes around with me how I get away with doing stuff. Uh, because you know, obviously, uh, I do a lot of uh, music on the show. Which, but I told them that you know I don't have thousands of listeners. I only have uh, a few listeners. So you know, in my in my estimate, uh, it's all uh, free publicity. You know, I don't look at it as copyright infringement. And, you know, it was just it's a pretty cool relationship we have because he he has thousands of listeners on all of his podcasts. Uh, and he kind of jokes about how he can't do the stuff that I do, which is always a good time. And, uh, and yeah, he's a big supporter of me and, uh, and I've given him feedback on certain shows and it's been a really good relationship and I'm, I'm really happy to, to have him in the nation. And, uh, and it's, uh, I'm excited to see where, you know, the rest of the year goes. And then also, uh, he's a humongous Batman fan, just like I am as well. So so that it that one goes to you and and the final award and this is the big award of the night and and that is the stl member that is the biggest supporter of the show and of masunis and that goes to none other than jason spencer of flicks show me the winston film and focus and the old show shadowy flight now you're probably wondering mike why is jason getting this award considering he never emails in well technically jason was the uh, second emailer that i had uh, the first one was from andrew but it was kind of a small one the second one was about my my list and uh and jason kind of questioned uh some things but he always had very good points but you know jason is is my biggest supporter because you know he really uh, number one uh he helped me with this show you know i i came to him and told him that i had an idea i wanted to do a podcast and uh he really helped me uh take care of all the the crap and uh, point me in the right direction and uh, really guide me and mold me uh, into the show that we have now. Uh, you know, especially uh, he had awesome um, constructive criticism. You know, you guys always hear the crap on the shows, you know, all of our sarcasm and uh, all of our bantering one another. Uh, but that's all that's all kind of for show. Uh, really, uh, we have a really awesome relationship. I mean, obviously, you know, I've been on Show Me the Winston. Uh, he's been on the show. Uh, obviously, the next episode has him on there. Uh, you know, he gave me the honor and privilege to take over the hosting duties of the Shadowy Flight. So, I mean, he is he is the biggest supporter of me. Uh, anytime things are going good, he tells me things are going good. When things are going bad, uh, I'll tell you, he's never been wrong. Anytime he's ever told me, 
to do, you know, to change things up or, or do this or do that. It was always for the right reasons, the right intentions, and, and help make this show as awesome as it is. So granted, a lot of it is my vision and, and my ideas, but uh, in the background, uh, molding me was always Jason. So uh, I can't never thank you enough, sir. And uh, you are definitely the biggest supporter of this show, whether you realize it or not. That's why you get the highest award of the night. And uh, and I just wanted to say that uh, even though you know we've never personally met, uh, you've always been a really great uh, friend to me. Uh, you know, outside and inside the podcast, and it's just really great to see uh, how far uh, both of us have come. Uh, you know, these past two years. Uh, in regards to you know us talking all the time and uh, just their shows and whoever would have thought I'd, I'd wake up one day and and uh, and I'd be working for you you know because you know the shadowy flight uh, that's still Stormfront Productions and I host the show so technically Jason's my boss which we kind of joke about uh, in the next episode you're gonna hear so so that that's it guys for all the awards uh, I hope you guys are happy with all the awards that you got now if you got missed off the list. Uh, no disrespect or not, no non-love to you. Uh, it's just that those were the ones that uh, hit me the most, uh, the most uh, hardcore fans that I wanted to give some recognition to. And, uh, and just thank you guys. Uh, you guys are what makes this show uh, so worth it for me to do week in and week out. And, uh, and I hope for many more years to be able to do this. Uh, God willingly, everything works out. So uh, now that we're finally into the music spotlight after the awards are over, uh, this song is kind of what I consider to be uh, the the theme song, if you will, of the STL Nation. Now, I know that, uh, you know, I play You're the Best Around, which is technically the theme song. But what I mean by that is uh, this is for, uh, you know, in regards to the awards ceremony, uh, this is dedicated to what you guys do uh, outside of uh, of the show when you're not emailing in just by all of your support and love. And uh, and you guys are really on the front line. And that's what this song is. Uh, it's called Frontline. Uh, it's from uh, it's from my favorite band, Pillar. Uh, this song is rocking. And, uh, and I like to think of it, uh, the words match perfectly uh, to what you guys uh, definitely do. And, uh, and I just figured it was the perfect way to end the show. Uh, it's kind of like the the main theme song uh, of the STL Nation is uh, is Frontline, and uh, but of course during emails uh, it's always you're the best around from the Karate Kid. But uh, but this is the perfect uh, summertime song too because I listen to it all the time, and uh, and all you hardcore STL members, uh, you guys all know this song and you love it. Uh, for those of you that haven't heard it, you're gonna love this song. So that's it, guys. I uh, hope you guys dig the next episode. Uh, me and Jason had a lot of fun on there. And uh, and I'll be back next week to talk some Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. So get your emails in. SweepDelayPodcast.yahoo.com Don't forget to follow on Twitter at STL Podcast. Don't forget to join the Facebook group. Uh, that's where everything gets posted. So that's the STL Nation Randomness Group. And uh, and that's it, guys. So you guys take care. Masunas out.